Football is back, and so is your chance to win with Bed Rivers Sportsbook app. Featuring our new multi-game same-game parlay. Combine the action of multiple same-game parlays in one bet for more action and bigger payouts. Bet the spread, bet the over, bet player props, and more. Throw in daily odds boost plus award-winning customer service, and it's a touchdown. Download it today. Must be 21 plus. Available in Illinois only. Void were prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, help is available. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Amazon Business honors Jill Lau, Chief Procurement Officer of Global Network Bank. Last week, Jill saved big and used Amazon Business to help her team buy 327 headsets. Now Bob can keep his conversations to himself. Wait, am I still on speakerphone? With business buying easier than before, Jill now uses her extra time to focus on growing something big. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Visit Amazon Business, your partner for smart business buying. Hang it up, Bob. Using free speech to free minds. You're listening to the David Knight Show. As the clock strikes 13, it's Tuesday, the 6th of September, year of our Lord 2022, day 906 of the emergency. Today, we're going to begin by talking about some Second Amendment issues. You know, there was a mass killing in Canada. Not with a gun, by the way. What does that tell us about red flag laws? What does it tell us about ghost guns? The registry of pistol braces. And about the choke points that are now being pushed. And as they get serious about war... Uh, Zelensky has uh, been exposed as renting a luxury Italian villa that he owns. Actually, it's his wife owns it through two shell corporations. Uh, he was renting it to Russians, of all things. Oh, <laughs> the pearl clutching going on with all this stuff. But it is absolute hypocrisy. The New World Order has countries on the brink of collapse, and people in Europe are pushing back. We're going to show you what happened over the weekend. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Well, I want to begin by saying thank you to Guard for doing uh, the Rockfin show on Saturday. Excellent job, as I expected he would, as he always does. And, um, and thank you for the uh, time off. We did a rebroadcast yesterday. And uh, did a rebroadcast of the show where I talked about uh, at what point do we start to attribute to Trump what he so eagerly desires, and that is full credit for what he developed. And when do we stop having people make excuses for him? He just didn't know. He was just tricked. All these people, everything that went wrong, he was tricked by people he had hired, by people that he kept in place, by people that he gave the microphone and the podium to and the power to. He was just tricked. But whenever anything happened that was good, oh, well, that's, Trump is genius. 
And, you know, we have to get him back in order to save us from this evil Brandon that surfaced <laughs> this last week. It is reached the level of such ridiculous theater. The uh, statement by Brandon, the reactions by all the people to Brandon. Uh, are we ever going to get serious about what is being done to our country? Are we ever going to wake up and pay attention to it? Well, the people in Europe are. And it's about time we do as well. But let's take a look first at another one of the agendas, and that is a bipartisan agenda, by the way. Yes, uh, President Trump did more to push gun control uh, than any other president until Biden, but every single one of them pushes it. Yeah, Trump is not a Second Amendment supporter, but let's take a look at what happened in Canada. Uh, you had an incident... 11 dead, 19 injured. It keeps going up. Uh, this happened yesterday. Uh, when I printed this, uh, it was a little bit lower. It was 11. It was 10 people dead, 15 injured. Now it's 11 dead, 19 injured. This happened in Saskatchewan, Canada. It was um, a very strange event because it went on for quite some time. You see, if people are not allowed to have guns, they're completely defenseless. And the people in this area were. You had two men who went on a stabbing spree and home invasion. They were going from house to house, stabbing and murdering people, and then go to the next house. Isn't that strange? Uh, isn't it amazing what people can do if you have no way to defend yourself? You've got two guys. Uh, one is 30. The other one is 31, breaking into houses. Stabbing to death, people in their late 70s, uh, women, children, parents who tried to protect their children, that type of thing. 13 separate locations, 13 home invasions. You see, when we talk about red flag laws, it's not the weapon, it's the spirit, it's the human spirit, the uh, evil in a person. That is going to do this. It is focusing on a weapon. Are, are they going to now have red, red flag gun laws about kitchen knives? What are they going to do about this? You see, you can't stop it uh, because it's even bare hands if the person is evil. That's why the red flag laws are such a morally and uh, in terms of effectiveness, such a bankrupt idea in terms of pragmatism even because you are going to, you've got a dangerous person out here, and the only thing you're going to do is try to make sure that they don't have any guns. Well, they can get some other guns, but they don't need a gun to kill people. They can use a knife, a club, a car, their bare hands. It doesn't matter. The person is the issue. And all of this stuff about red flag is nothing other than a gun confiscation program. And uh, as you'll see with this, it is the uh, justice system and the uh, police in Canada, just like in our country, that are the biggest part of the problem. Uh, the suspects were identified as uh, two individuals, 30 and 31. Uh, initially said they remain at large. Now they're saying one of them is uh, turned up dead. And uh, the other one was uh, also wounded. So I guess uh, that, it took them a while. Uh, these... Um, Inspector Lestrade's with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Boy, they can certainly identify protesters against unconstitutional, well, in their case, uh, violating the charter uh, in Canada. But they can certainly find uh, truckers who are standing for freedom. They can identify them very quickly.
but they really have a hard time identifying murderers. And they have a hard time keeping them locked up as well. Uh, so uh, the two men had allegedly targeted some of their victims while others were chosen at random. I guess they were just enjoying themselves because, you know, there are people like that. So I say, when we look at what is happening with the rulers, and I don't even say leaders anymore uh, because they're simply dictatorial rulers. When we look at what is happening worldwide, every party, uh, these people, uh, we underestimate how evil they are. We underestimate how they love to do what they're doing. They would do it for the sake of doing it. It's not just the money like Fauci gets. He loves the power. And uh, so we underestimate their, uh, the evil of their nature. And then we also underestimate their technology. In this particular case, these guys didn't have a lot of technology, so they were only able to uh, kill uh, 11 people and injure another 19. Uh, but, you know, when you have the technology that Fauci has, the technology that these other people in government have, they can murder millions of people. Some of them dying slowly, poisoned, but dying slowly. You know, we've had these stories about people being poisoned. Uh, there was one that surfaced. I didn't cover it here, but I, I saw it anyway. It was a, a woman who um, had been slowly poisoning her husband a little bit at a time. And uh, she was giving him, you know, a um, little bit of poison as food, and then she'd give him a booster after a little bit of time, and then she'd give him another booster. You know where I'm going with this, right? Uh, somehow he saw it on the uh, on some surveillance camera inside of his house. I think it's strange that people have cameras set up all over their house and outside. And everything. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he saw it, and um, she was a physician. She knew how to do it gradually, and and that's what's going on. Uh, in a massive way right now. Uh, you have a worldwide poisoning depopulation. Some of the people die right away. Uh, big surge of people dying five months after their you know, rollout of a, of a shot or the next booster or whatever. We've seen that data as well. So some people die within 48 hours. A lot of people, a uh, surprising number considering all the other vaccine campaigns. You never had a vaccine that could kill people that quickly. They've really done a great job improving these things uh, because that's the purpose of them. I'm, I absolutely, I'm not even going to give them the credit to say that this is just incompetence. It is malice. And it's been malice for a long time. They've been covering up this data for a long time. This is just at such a level of uh, malice. And still, they're covering it up. It's such a level of malice, you just can't deny it anymore, but they can cover it up. And so a lot of people died within 48 hours. A lot more people died five months later. How many people are going to be dying from turbo cancer? That's the new term that some of the doctors have applied. This at the very beginning, Ryan Cole talked about how the, uh, the vaccines were destroying killer T cells, which is your main defense against cancer. You want to talk about PCR and how you can find anything, anywhere, and anybody? If you magnify by 1.1 trillion times, well, you can do the same thing with cancer. Everybody's got cancer. What keeps it in check? The killer T cells. What's destroying the killer T cells? The vaccine. And uh, whether it's a spike or whether it's other chemicals, other things in it, I really don't care about debating that. The reality is that we can see now from, we can talk about the mechanism all day long. And I don't really care about the mechanism. I'm not going to get down into that level of details and debating it with people because I think in many ways that's a trap. 
that it's difficult to understand the mechanism of what is happening in biology. And uh, so I'm not interested in doing that. We can look at epidemiology and we can tell what's happening with this. Uh, so that's where we need to focus because we've got to stop people from getting poisoned. It's just that simple. And we can lock these people up who have done this. But getting back to the stabbing, you know, a different kind of injection. Uh, it appears some of the victims may have been targeted. Some of them may have been random, so to speak. A motive would be extremely difficult at this point in time. Uh, again, you know, do we need to assign a motive or we need to stop the criminals when they're talking about vaccines or mass stabbings? Um, bodies everywhere on the reservation, uh, said one person. Uh, the two men armed with knives were kicking in doors uh, on uh, Saskatchewan's uh, James Smith Cree Nation reservation, stabbing whoever they found inside and then moving on to the next address. Next address. You see, a key thing for all people in Canada, but especially for the Indians that they put on reservations, was to make sure they couldn't defend themselves, right? Got to take their weapons away from them. Uh, so nobody you know, has the ability to defend themselves. And if it's anything like the American re reservations, they want to make sure that you own nothing, uh, that you don't really have any capability of mobility, whether you're talking about economic mobility, upward mobility economically, or even uh, mobility going other places. They do everything they can to uh, stop that. That's the whole point. Uh, grandparents were stabbed in front of loved ones who begged the killers to stop. Children reported to have been stabbed while trying to protect their mothers. A 77-year-old widower, Wes Pedersen, was murdered as his adult grandson hid downstairs. The body of one of the suspects is now included among the dead, while the, another suspect is now added to the tally of injured. One person said, I lost a lot of family yesterday. It was a war zone. One survivor posted a simple update on Facebook reading, Thanks for saving me and my cousin. You brave old man. You will always be remembered. I don't know if that was a 77-year-old or who that was. Monday, the uh, RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, spokesman Dudley Dewright, confirmed that Miles had been a fugitive for four months. He had been granted statutory release from prison on a five-year sentence for a string of violent charges including robbery and assault. Uh, they put him out on parole. Put him out on parole. He had a string of violent charges, but that wasn't enough to red flag him and lock him up. Let's just make sure he doesn't get a gun. Okay, well, you know, uh, how'd that work out for us? So um, uh, they said he was declared to be at large in May after he missed an appointment with his parole officer. Uh, you, you think uh, going door to door, 13 different houses, uh, stabbing uh, 30 people. Uh, you think that's a parole violation? <clears throat> is that something we should worry, be worried about? I guess they've got the same attitude as our George Soros prosecutors and uh, parole boards here in the United States. Anyway, incredibly, this is the second time in as many years that the James Smith Cree Nation has spent the Labor Day weekend dealing with the aftermath of a mass killing. This time last year, 33 year old Sean Mustus was arrested after an on-reserve shooting killed two and injured one. You see, that's a, uh, that was one that, um, uh, that was a gun that did it. It wasn't the man. It was the gun who did it. Uh, the attack is one of the deadliest killings in Canada's history. In 2020, a man disguised as a police officer 
shot people in their homes and set fires across the province of Nova Scotia, killing 22. The previous year, a man used a van to kill 10 pedestrians in Toronto. So you can use a pistol. You can impersonate a police officer, shoot people. Uh, You can use a van. You can use a knife. You can use your bare hands. But Kathy Hochul reminded us last week that good guys with guns do not stop armed bad guys. Really? Well, um, that's not even true. Uh, Not even if the guys had uh, guns. But imagine if you had a situation where these guys bring a knife to a gunfight. What if they came into your home with a knife and you're the 77-year-old man defending others, defending your life, and all they got's a knife and you got a shotgun or maybe an AR-15 because, you know, there's two of them. Uh, You're going to have to shoot them more than once. One of the things we learned in um, our concealed carry class uh, taught by a retired Secret Service agent, he said, uh, it's not like the movies. You don't shoot somebody and they fall down dead. Uh, he said, um, a lot of times people just keep coming at you. That's why you have magazines that have more than, uh, you know, as many rounds as you can fit in there, by the way. Uh, you know, that's, that's your best protection. Uh, the story that he gave, and I've mentioned this before, uh, he was in the Secret Service and he said the FBI was after a guy, a dangerous um, criminal. I forget uh, what the charges were with it. But the guy was a martial arts expert, and there was four FBI agents armed. Uh, He resisted arrest, fought them. Uh, They shot him and severed um, main artery uh, uh, out of his heart, and he bled out in about 40 seconds. But in that period of time, he killed all four of them, and then he died, bleeding out. So uh, does a good guy with a gun uh, stop armed bad guys? Well, like I said with the uh, FBI, it's not always a guarantee, but it certainly does even the odds, and it gives you a better advantage, quite frankly, that uh, uh, if you are elderly, female, a child, um, even, uh, a gun is going to give you an edge on a home invasion that uh, nothing else is going to do. you got two guys, 30 years old, coming in on a killing spree. Uh, Kathy Hochul said this whole concept that a good guy with a gun will stop the bad guys with a gun just doesn't hold up. And the data bears this out. So the theory is over. She said, I mean, we're not even a month past, uh, uh, the uh, time where you had a 22 year old man, uh, was going to shoot up a crowd. That's what he said. West Palm beach got out his gun from his car. So I'm going to shoot the crowd up to conceal carry. Owner pulled out his gun and shot him dead before innocent people were harmed. Or, you know, we're not even two months away from uh, the mall shooting. We had a guy come in, uh, you know, all uh, stocked up. He had the invincible AR-15 with him. And yet a guy who was there, uh, Eli, uh, saw him coming. And uh, Eli pulled out his pistol and kill the guy at 40 yards. The guy that had the mighty AR-15. How does that work out? I mean, it you know, the speed of the bullets, as McChrystal and Biden would tell us, uh, that alone just makes it invincible. Uh, so uh, Kathy Hochul says, you don't need one if you're a good guy. And she's going to determine uh, whether you're a good guy if you want a gun. She's going to have uh, people go door to door talking to your neighbors. 
uh, looking at your social media history. You're going to have to turn in years of social media history that they can scrutinize. And law enforcement in New York's not too happy about that. Like, how do we do that? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we don't have the time for that. Uh, she said, um, emphasize that talking to would be gun buyers, neighbors is now going to be part of the background check. It's just like getting a security clearance. It really is. I mean, I had a, when I got a job, um, when I was in college, I was doing some work study program and I went to work for a company that was doing some communication work. Um, you know, sp uh, spread spectrum arrays where they could, you know, uh, focus in. Uh, they could weight the different antennas to uh, null out a jamming signal and to focus on the good signal. And so we were doing some testing on that. And I had to have a security clearance. I mean, it was the very bottom thing. Um, it was confidential, I think. I don't even think it was secret because I was just doing some testing on, uh, on this thing through the summer. And they went around interviewing my neighbors, you know, just for that. And so now, you know, they're going to do that and more and more if you want to get a gun in New York. Uh, more than 15,000 people have had gun taken from, guns taken from them, seized from them under red flag. And I hesitate to use the term law uh, because um, any law, any so-called law uh, that uh, takes a gun and does the due process later? That isn't due process. The due process is due at the beginning before you seize anything. And so if you don't do it at the beginning, it ain't due process, Trump. Uh, so these, uh, let's just call them Trump flag laws. How about that? Trump flag laws. That's the way it ought to be. You know, it's, one, it's another one of those things. You know, Alex, all the years that he defended uh, Second Amendment. And even with the Sandy Hook thing, Rob Dew says in testimony, uh, we are defenders of the Second Amendment. Oh, are they? Did they defend the Second Amendment against President Trump when he said, uh, take the gun and do the due process later? Did they defend the Second Amendment against President Trump when he did and set the precedent for gun control by executive order? No, they didn't. He was just playing 4D chess. He's still the guy who's going to save us, you know, all through that. All through. It's not just the vaccine. These people who have signed on to become partisan shills and cheerleaders are there for Trump on every issue of betrayal, of outright betrayal of his promises, of his voters, and most importantly, of the Constitution. Oh, they're there. They're covering, they're spinning, they're, they got his back. Never going to criticize him for that. Uh, so anyway, the um, uh, yeah, you got these guys like the stabbers in Saskatchewan, uh, just turned out by the government, right? Uh, who, who needs uh, to red flag people when they can just be turned out by the government? According to an analysis by Associated Press. Amazon Business Honors, Ricardo Gurgel, owner of Veggie Root Tavern. This week, Ricardo saved big and used Amazon Business to help his team buy commercial deep fryers at a quantity discount. Because even veggies can be fried. I'm going to need two orders of fried fiddleheads. With business buying easier than before, Ricardo now uses his extra time to focus on growing something big. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Visit Amazon Business, your partner for smart business buying. Mmm, fiddleheads. Yum.
Amazon Business honors Jill Lau, Chief Procurement Officer of Global Network Bank. Last week, Jill saved big and used Amazon Business to help her team buy 327 headsets. Now Bob can keep his conversations to himself. Wait, am I still on speakerphone? With business buying easier than before, Jill now uses her extra time to focus on growing something big. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Visit Amazon Business, your partner for smart business buying. Hang it up, Bob. Red flag laws have been deployed more than 15,000 times in 19 states in the District of Columbia since 2020, a rate that translates to about one for every 10,000 people. Now, BearingArms.com, Cam Edwards writing there, says, well, uh, to me, that seems like a lot, especially since these measures are typically billed as a tool to be deployed only under the most dire circumstances when a gun owner has been deemed to be a danger to themselves or to others. But when the Associated Press did their piece, they talked to many so-called experts. And the experts said, here's a quote from the Associated Press article, experts called that woefully low and not nearly enough to make a dent in gun violence. Considering the millions of firearms in circulation and countless potential warning signs, that enforcement officers encounter from gun owners every day. Was it a warning sign when these people had a string of violent uh, crimes that they committed? Was it a warning sign where they're locked up for that? Was it a warning sign when they just uh, released them on parole? Yes, the government uh, sees, typically you have with these uh, situations, you hear one of two things. Either they were well-known to the government and the government did nothing other than release them and let them go. Well, yeah, we talked to him and we let him go. We had him in prison, we let him go, that type of thing. Or the other thing is, well, nobody saw this coming. That's typically what happens. It's typically one of those two things. Uh, it's too small. So in terms of talking about the 15,000 red flag gun seizures, a Duke University psychologist said it's too small a pebble to make a ripple it's as if the law doesn't exist. Well, I would say that uh, the red flag gun laws are as if the Constitution doesn't exist. Uh, he said the number of people that were catching with red flags is likely infinitesimal. Now, Cam Edwards at Bearing Arms says this. He said a couple of points. He said, first of all, the fact that the concern is centered around the millions of firearms in circulation, quote unquote, and not the number of supposedly dangerous individuals is a red flag all of its own. Well, of course, that has always been the motive. That's why I said, you know, you're not going to red flag the crazy person who's trying to kill themselves or likely to kill somebody else. That doesn't make any sense. It is all strictly focused on the gun, which means that this is nothing other than a gun confiscation scheme. This is not about protecting people or protecting uh, somebody from themselves. This is simply about gun confiscation, or they wouldn't be, or they'd be focused on the man, not the machine. Uh, so um, he goes and say, if these academics, he said, the second thing is, if these academics can determine that the current numbers are too low, then why can't they pin down the right number of confiscations? Where does that come from? You know, well, that's too low. Well, what would you like to see? Well, I think we know what they'd like to see. Uh, they'd like to see all of them taken because if you're a gun control psychologist, you think anybody who has a gun is somebody who is dangerous. And if you're a gun control psychologist at Duke university, you want to red flag everybody. That's the whole point. 
the whole point. Uh, Iowans are going to be voting on constitutional language that uh, this headline on Breitbart says will exceed the Second Amendment. Will it? Will it? I don't think so. But it's interesting because Iowa is the only state, uh, well, only one of only a handful of states that lack any state-level constitutional protection for the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, the thing is, though, is that every one of the uh, people who are government officials in every state swear to uphold the Constitution as well as their state laws and their state constitution. So there's that. <laughs> but anyway, let's just pretend that that doesn't matter. Uh, in November, Iowans will vote for or against the adoption of a constitutional amendment which recognizes the right to keep and bear arms as fundamental. Well, so far, so good. Oh, that's good. Fundamental right. Okay. The amendment says, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Seems like I've heard that somewhere before. Uh, the sovereign state of Iowa affirms and recognizes this right to be a fundamental individual right. Okay, so that's where they're clarifying it. Except that it's also, just as the first phrase, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, that's kind of redundant to the uh, Second Amendment. Uh, the idea that it is a fundamental individual right goes without saying because it is a right of the people. It's not a right of the state. It's not a right of government. It's not a privilege that is granted. Uh, it is not a right that you have simply because you are part of the yeomanry or part of the militia. It is a fundamental right. But it's nice to clarify that because we've seen for decades uh, courts and uh, judges prevaricate around that and trying to pretend that it is uh, a right of the National Guard to keep and bear arms. The National Guard. That's what they would say. A man had long discussions with a guy uh, that we hired, really liked him. Uh, he was, um, uh, we hired him, he was a salutatorian at his uh, high school. So he had a smart kid. Uh, he's now a chemical engineer. And, uh, somehow we got on to politics. I can't imagine who brought that up. But um, <laughs> he was lecturing me that uh, the, uh, the militia is a National Guard uh, and uh, that uh, that's what that's all about. Uh, so we had a long discussion about that. Anyway, um, uh, but then there's this. This is so, so far, so good. Then it says the final sentence just rips all the rest of it out. The final sentence. It, by the way, if you're in Iowa, <laughs> this amendment doesn't matter. First of all, they've all sworn to uphold the real thing, uh, which is, uh, is clearly there. Uh, this amendment really doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, I would say that maybe even weakens it because of this last sentence. Any and all restrictions of this right shall be subject to strict scrutiny. What does that mean? <laughs> this ambiguous, like strict scrutiny. You know what? If we take away your fundamental God-given rights that are your heritage as a human being, you know, a fundamental essence of your humanity, if we take that away from you, we're going to have to look at that pretty hard. Doesn't mean that they'll prohibit it. It's not prohibited. Well, we'll look at that closely. Give me a break. Uh, Biden's ghost gun ban takes effect and lasts a full minute. <laughs> it's the... Uh, uh, headline from WND, 
Uh, a new rule recently was imposed on gun retailers that if a gun store would package an unfinished frame, a jig, drill bits, and other parts into a single box and ship it to a buyer, that that would now constitute a firearm. It would now require a serial number, and it would require a background check. Uh, that used to be a routine thing. So uh, as of August the 24th, there was a new federal regulation. You notice that term? It's a regulation. It's not a law. But was there a vote in Congress about this? No, no. This is decided by the ATF and by Biden. Oh, okay. Kind of like what happened with Trump and bump stocks, right? That precedent that he set. We don't have to do gun control anymore by Congress. So what is this about when you've got all these pro-Second Amendment uh, Republicans who won't oppose Trump's gun control by executive order, who won't strike that down, who aren't even campaigning on that issue, just like they don't campaign on his emergency order that's created medical martial law. They don't even talk about these things. These are the fundamental things that are below the surface while they still play with all these issues in order to get you to give them money and to vote for them in November. But uh, no, there is no law there. This is the ATF doing it now. This power that has been unleashed by Trump and that the Republicans are not even, it's not even on their radar to talk about restricting that. Uh, so um, these uh, so-called ghost guns, isn't that interesting? You know, ghost gun is something that is not registered with them. It's, it's interesting they come up with these things just like the dark web. The dark web, dark how? Uh, is, is there, uh, yeah, there's a lot of bad things there, you know. Uh, there's pornography, there's drugs, there's things like that. But you know what? On the regular web, there's pornography, there's drugs, and other things like that. The dark web is dark to the government. The government can't see it, so it's dark, it's evil. Uh, these are guns that the government doesn't see, so they're ghost guns. Ghost guns. Uh, that's all they're talking about. They desire to know everything about you. Their desire for omnipotence, omnipresence, and, uh, om and omniscience is just overwhelming these godlike powers that they demand. A new report from Max McGuire uh, at the Federalist pointed out that the ban lasted less than a minute. He said, as soon as the clock struck midnight and Biden's new rule, so it's Biden's rule, Biden's rule, not Congress. Uh, it used to be that Congress would pass laws and violate the Constitution and the judiciary would cooperate with them. But that was a very cumbersome thing. You know, how, how do you get to a situation where you can just come up with a new rule and violate the Constitution. Let's see, you could do it from the inside. Uh, <laughs> you could do it iteratively. And uh, you could do it with uh, deception by using a Republican to do it. How about that? Uh, anyway, as soon as the clock struck midnight and Biden's new rule went into effect, retailers had already adjusted their inventory to comply with the new regulations. Biden's ban on ghost guns lasted no longer than a minute. He explained that the rules allow buyers to purchase the frame, the jig, the bits, and all these things separately without being required to do a background check. Except you understand how they're going to roll this thing out. And they'll do it retroactively. They're going to say, I'm sorry, you structured your orders. You structured your purchases. Just like they say, well, you structured your 
deposits or your withdrawals in the bank to avoid detection. You structured your purchases and shipping in order to avoid detection. And so with that in mind, some of the retailers are already saying, we're not going to sell all of these components to you. So we'll sell you something, but you're going to, if you want anything else, I can't sell you all of these things at the same time. You have to buy them from different retailers, which just pushes the problem away from them and onto the gun purchasers because in a panopticon state where they know everything about you, they will look at your purchases and, uh, and see that you purchased one from store number A, another one from store B, another one from store C, and so forth. We have to get at the root of the problem. And uh, the root of the problem is a Trump executive order that allows Biden to say, okay, well, now you can't buy jigs and drill presses and frames and all this other kind of stuff because I say so. Uh, a new ATF document reveals gun owners who own pistol braces could soon be forced to register them. Uh, register them as a, um, it's going to register them as a short-barreled rifle. Is this like a sawed-off shotgun? The kind of thing that they uh, went after at Ruby Ridge, right? Is that what this is about? Uh, so you're going to have to register that. Uh, Randy Weaver didn't want to, they tried to set him up. They said, you know, Hey, we, we want you to, um, sell some sawed off shotguns to some of your right wing Christian nationalist friends or whatever you, they're racist to you, you know, they're bad guys anyway. So, you know, we want you to set them up and we want you to, you know, saw off and I'm not going to do it. And so they came after him. Uh, so, um, the, uh, this is another, by the way, another Biden executive order, right? The ATF document uh, has decided the Biden administration has now weaponized, as Zero Hedge puts it, has now weaponized the BATF to wage war on law-abiding gun owners. But how did they weaponize it? You see, oh, it's the Biden administration that did it. Yes, it's the Biden administration that's doing it now, but it was the Trump precedent. But you know, hey, Trump didn't do it. Trump is great. Trump will save us. Save us from the Constitution. Uh, the plan... Uh, is uh, that the ATF is going to require a registry of pistol braces. And this was buried within a document about budget justification from the ATF to the Office of Management and Budget. They said due to the upcoming amnesty registration for pistol braces weapons, um, you know, we're going to need to have some more money from you guys. That's how we find out about these things. Is it debated? Uh, is it tested in the courts even? Is it debated on the floor? Is this an infringement? To the, no, no, no. I'm going to ban the pistol braces, and I'm just going to do it by fiat. And now I'm going to set up a registry, and uh, I'm going to need some more money. So uh, this is what serves as transparent representative government now. So when the ATF says, uh, shovel us over some more money, we're going to have to set up a registry of these pistol braces so we can go out and harass people confiscate stuff from them, maybe even shoot them because you know, anybody who's got a gun, I mean, these people are just killers. Uh, our ATF inside sources have told ammo land news that the ATF was planning for an amnesty period where gun owners would be able to register their braced pistols as short barreled rifles. And that it is expected that they'll receive a free tax stamp. Hey, there you go. First year is free on us. All you have to do is just give us your name. Tell us where you are. 
You know, I wonder, we're talking about ghost guns. How difficult, how difficult is it to 3D print a brace? <laughs> it's not difficult at all. It's child's play, frankly. Um, anyway, um, so uh, Silencer Central has set the figure of people out there who have uh, pistol braces. They think it's about, it's between three and seven million people. Uh, the Biden administration has requested the ATF to redefine the definition of a firearm. You see how this works? We redefined the definition of a vaccine. That was done buried deep inside a law uh, that had nothing to do with any of that. It was just a, a line that was set in a, a financing bill. Uh, escaped everybody's attention. It was a very technical uh, thing. Uh, we will also include in a definition of a vaccine these new mRNA things. And so that was done you know, six to nine months before uh, stuff rolled out. And then you had uh, Trump do some executive orders in uh, September before the stuff rolled out. Fauci talked about how they're doing it. It was all planned like that, gradual uh, thing. And so, you know, now this is uh, what they're doing with this as well. Redefining a firearm, just like they redefine a vaccine, just like they redefine woman, like they redefine male and female and um, redefine uh, all of our rights in the Constitution. So um, the Biden administration has requested the ATF to redefine the definition of a firearm and to change rules surrounding pistol braces. You notice how everybody is all upset about this, um, this political theater of, uh, of uh, Biden, you know, yelling and screaming at MAGA and Trump with a red background. And yet nobody cares about the fact that he's doing one thing after the other, following Trump's lead to be a dictator, a dictator. And he's got the ATF dictating it. I mean, if you can rewrite the language just like that, and you're going to redefine what a vaccine is, what a firearm is, what a woman is. This is the way these people exercise power over you. You see, first thing, <laughs> first thing that uh, God did with Adam was to have him name the animals. It's an act of dominion when you name things. Very powerful. When you name and define something, it's an act of dominion. This is an act of a dictator. And yet everybody said, well, you know, he's, he's trending towards a dictator. He's already a dictator. He's a dictator. We've had medical martial law now for 906 days. Come on. Uh, remember, we've told readers the ATF has a secret database of nearly a billion gun records. The purpose of any registry on a long enough timeline is confiscation, confiscation of course. And then finally, uh, before we take a break, New York City is adding to this push. There's a big push to bring back Operation Choke Point. Operation Choke Point was a Obama administration initiative to block financial services for anybody who is uh, selling or manufacturing a farm. So retailers and manufacturers of farms, we're not going to let you uh, process things. I mean, it's the same type of thing we're going through. We can't get our merchandise up because we got... On the website, we've got uh, run into one roadblock after another with these different um, uh, payment service people, right? Uh, I mean, they just, they don't want PayPal and the rest of them too. I mean, they're, they're doing all kinds of stuff 
uh, to keep us from being able to put any merchandise on there. And that's what they want to do to gun owners as well. You know, it's, speech is dangerous. First Amendment is dangerous. The Second Amendment is dangerous. We've got to stop all that stuff. Uh, so 50 state lawmakers in New York wrote a letter to MasterCard and American Express asking them to start coding sales of firearms and ammunition under a special category so law enforcement can easily track these sales. And um, they want it as a separate category right now, as I talked about last week. They report this typically as, you know, they have the business identified as sporting goods. They don't want that. They want to have a special classification for gun owners to make sure they can shut them down. This is what registration is about. Registration is about confiscation. And that's what they're doing. They want to register all the gun retailers and manufacturers so that they can confiscate and take away their ability to process payment. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams, Attorney General Letitia James, Comptroller Brad Lander, all of them have joined in the call, and they've brought in the pension plans as well. The Teachers Retirement System, the New York City Employees Retirement System, the Board of Education Retirement System, all in all, uh, these uh, two have, um, these pension funds have a combined 1.1 million shares in MasterCard. This is the same game that is typically run by BlackRock. Uh, that's, you know, they, they've got, uh, between three companies, they've got $30 trillion worth of investments. And they come in as a big stockholder. And they say, we want you to implement these ESG uh, rules. Environmental rules, social rules, whether you're talking about gender stuff or you're talking about firearms and that type of thing. And, um, you know, to do it for governance, right? We want you to exercise some governance here. We want you to act as proxies of the government. And so the pension funds are now using their positions to, uh, as leverage to try to put pressure on these companies, American Express and MasterCard, that they have uh, in one of them um, uh, $350 million in um, shares in MasterCard. And in American Express, they have about $92 million. Uh, it's the same thing that BlackRock does, except that these pension funds, as much uh, leverage as they have, it's very tiny compared to what BlackRock typically has. But it's the same plan. It's the usual suspects. Amazon Business Honors Jill Lau, Chief Procurement Officer of Global Network Bank. Last week, Jill saved big and used Amazon Business to help her team buy 327 headsets. Now Bob can keep his conversations to himself. Wait, am I still on speakerphone? With business buying easier than before, Jill now uses her extra time to focus on growing something big. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Visit Amazon Business, your partner for smart business buying. Thank you for holding Hang it up, Bob. MFS Investment Management. Our active 360 approach to fixed income goes beyond analyzing financials. We combine active security selection and risk management, striving to make the most of complex bond markets. MFS.com slash active 360. With the same MO. Always is. We'll be right back. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Past to track and control us. Their Commons Project to make sure the commoners own nothing. And the communist future. 
They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com. Well, we have uh, a comment and a tip from Angus Mustang. Thank you for the tip, Angus. He says, uh, David, these big pharma. Deep State, and anyone who pushes and profits from these, quote, vaccines, unquote, need to be charged with murder. My 24-year-old daughter is now starting to have issues from the jab, and I want justice for all these young kids that fell for that propaganda and that virtue signaling. Absolutely right. Uh, you know, that's what they're worried about, and that's why they are pushing us to war. Because, you know, with the bombs are dropping on you, uh, that's about the only thing that's going to save these people because they can't run from this. As I said last week, there's too many bodies for them to cover this up. There's too many problems for them to do this. They can get away with it for a while by telling people, well, I know that this happened to you, and I'm, I'm not going to say this came from the jab when somebody knows perfectly well that it came from the jab. You know, a lot of people said, you know, a kid got this thing, and within 24 hours, 48 hours, they're dead. Um, but uh, they reply whenever they're caught red-handed, well, it's rare. It's rare. Uh, has that been a defense for murder? Well, you know, Judge, I've known a lot of people in my lifetime, and this is the only one I've killed. I think you should let me go. Right? Is that an excuse? Murder, even if it's rare. It's not being rare is not an excuse. People are catching on what is happening and people are catching on to the murder of our societies as well. Take a look at what happened in Czechoslovakia, uh, in, um, the capital of Prague uh, over the weekend, 70,000 people flooding the streets of Prague. Look at that crowd there. Now, these are the people who are saying, you're going to kill us by taking away our fuel. And that's exactly the plan. And they're on to it. They know what is happening. Uh, some reports have put this at over 100,000 people. Uh, but uh, 70,000 is the number that the establishment media decided on. And there's a lot of lies about these types of things whenever they happen. I remember the, um, uh, the uh, Tea Party um, uh, protests that they had uh, back in the 90s. And uh, I think it was in the 90s. And uh, there were over a half million people, easily, easily. And, uh, you know, they were taking it down by that. But you looked at the pictures and how it just filled up the entire place. And you knew that, was, uh, that it was more than that. Anyway, uh, they, they're making demands, spe excuse me, specific demands. 
And they're demanding that this government that is in power resign by September the 25th, or they said they will take action. They'll do strikes and other things to take action if the government does not step down. Uh, protesters are outraged at the European Union for the sanctions against Russia. They're not sanctions against Russia. They're sanctions against the people of Czech, uh, the Czech Republic. They're sanctions against Americans. They're sanctions against Britons. They're sanctions against everybody but the Russians because the Russians aren't suffering. The Russian government is not suffering from this. Uh, it has caused a disruption for the Russian people, but the Russian government is doing wonderfully well with these sanctions. They're selling all their stuff to other people, and they're selling it because these sanctions have boosted, artificially boosted the price the Russians are making more money than ever before. I've talked about it all the time. It's the Biden bonus for Putin. And you get stuck with the tab. Uh, they said, uh, the aim of our demonstration is to demand change, mainly in solving the issue of energy prices, especially electricity and gas, which will destroy our economy this autumn, they said. Uh, the protests were head held at Winslow Square. Yeah, as in Good King Winslow, I guess. Uh, I wonder what's going to happen this year when they have no electricity and the snow lays all around deep and crisp and even. <laughs> um, the, uh, anyway, it comes one day after the Czech government survived a no-confidence vote over opposition claims of inaction to protect citizens against energy Hyperinflation. A new study on Friday came out, warned civil unrest could flare up in parts of Europe. Where do I get on the list to do predictive studies like this and get paid lots of money? <laughs> I was like, all right, you know, I talked about this months ago. Uh, I wish I could get onto some of these uh, think tanks and, and make all this money uh, for doing these studies here. It's pretty common sense. Um, civil unrest could flare up in parts of Europe over the next six months. Hmm. Why in the next six months? Could it have anything to do with winter? Uh, because of the deteriorating <laughs> macro backdrop of high inflation. Uh, Czechs are tired of the Western sanctions on Russia. Uh, shall we have some checks and balances here? Uh, they want Czech interest first over the EU's interests. And they demand cheap Russian gas and neutrality. As a matter of fact, they call the movement, uh, they call it Czech first. And um, one person said, it smells like everybody is PO'd by NATO. Yeah, you know, NATO. NATO is the problem. You know, Trump, that guy's a genius. He identified the problem, didn't he? Who knew that NATO was getting us involved in wars? Who knew? that NATO was part of the military-industrial complex's scheme to you know, spread weapons around the world and waste our money, impoverish us. Who knew that? Yeah, Trump knew that. He agreed with you. He said, yes, you know that's a problem. I know it's a problem. But did he do anything about it? He said, it's okay when you're a candidate, all you have to do is identify the problem and say, I agree with you voters. This is the problem. But when you get elected, you have to actually do something about it. Yeah. Well, you know, you look at, uh, here's another uh, thing of the uh, crowd. 
Uh, obviously very fired up. They're very angry about what is happening there. And, um, yeah, 70,000, 100,000, who knows uh, what the total is. And, of course, the good thing about this is that it is not uh, based around a particular political party or a particular candidate. This is very broad-based. And uh, this is uh, uh, involves people from all over the political spectrum, as a matter of fact. Uh, as antiwar.com points out, the protest included demonstrators from across the political spectrum, uh, from the populist right-wing Freedom and Direct Democracy Party, all the way over to the Czech Republic Communist Party. And I think this is key that we get the politics out of this, because these people are coming after our very lives. They're trying to destroy our country, our society, our community, our family, our lives. And we have to come together as we, the people. Because, you see, they've already come together as they, the governments. There is, they, the governments, are united. They're united at the UN. They're united at Davos. They're united at the World Health Organization. They're united in all these different places against us. As I've said over and over again, it doesn't matter what the political ideology is. These people can be communist. They can be uh, hyper-nationalist. It doesn't matter what they are. Uh, they can be anything in between. And uh, they can be male, female, white, black. It doesn't matter. They're united in their attack against their own people. They, the governments, against we, the people. Across the political spectrum, it doesn't matter whatsoever. Every one of these governments everywhere, marching in lockstep to the UN and the World Eco-Fascist, the World Economic Forum. The uh, Czech Prime Minister, in response to this, where they called for his resignation within a month, uh, as a matter of fact, that 20 days or 21 days, you got three weeks, his response was, this is Russian propaganda. Russian propaganda. Uh, so I guess, you know, essentially what he did was he went full Brandon on them. He called them traitors, enemies of the state by extension. It's Russian propaganda. Uh, we're at war with Russia. And uh, we could be at war with you guys if you show up and protest us as well. You're either with us or you're against us, as uh, Bush pointed out. The uh, Czechia first is what they call the problem. They said it is clear as, as how he uh, responded to the people who were Czech first, kind of like America first. Uh, he said, uh, it's clear that Russian propaganda and disinformation campaigns repeatedly appear on our territory and that someone is simply succumbing to them. Pay no attention to that electricity bill. Pay no attention to that gas pump. Pay no attention to your grocery prices. That's all just Russian propaganda. Trying to make you think that you're getting poor. Trying to make you think that we're taking away your fuel and your food. It's just those Russians fooling you again, right? Protesters were brought together again by um, all the groups from both far left, far right, and everything in between. Uh, the uh, people don't really care about the politics when uh, everything is being taken away from them. Uh, but the government is going to play the war game because it's the war game that they're running right now instead of the COVID thing. Uh, so 
the highest cost of living since the early 1990s for everything from housing to consumer goods. What was it that happened in the early 1990s? Well, that was when they were trying to adjust to their new economy after having suffered under a dictatorial, centrally planned communist society. Uh, but, you know, it's all the way across the board, far left, right? Far left or far right. Well, we need to have a different political uh, roadmap. It's not just left and right, but it's also up and down. Because when you look at what is happening with the fascists or the communists, uh, the totalitarianism is uh, an authoritarianism, is just the absence of freedom, essentially, on everything. And so these people are not extreme opposites of each other in many cases. They, you know, Hitler, extreme right, Stalin, extreme left. No, they're right down there at the bottom in terms of authoritarianism. We need to move towards liberty. We need to think instead, as, as uh, Ronald Reagan said, instead of thinking left, right, we need to think up and down. We either move up towards liberty or we move down towards tyranny and slavery. And that's what this fourth turning is about. It's going to be a turning. And there's going to be a direction. Which way are we going to go? Left, right, up, down? That's what's happening right now. Better pay attention. Better get other people to pay attention. While the prime minister blamed Russian influence, other coalition government officials warned against sidelining real economic issues facing the people. There you go. And by the way, you know, all these um, 70 to 100,000 people that are just Russian agents, agents, of disinformation, uh, taking to the streets, spreading propaganda and lies about their wonderful government that is destroying their society in order to wage World War III. Uh, well, you know, those 70,000 people uh, come up to be a pretty sizable chunk of um, the population of Prague. Prague has 1.3 million people, so you're looking at about 7% of the people there, perhaps. So um, anyway, uh, a rally against sanctions on Russia was also held in Germany over the weekend, much smaller than the one in Prague. That was only about 2,000 people. Uh, mostly Russian-speaking protesters marched in the western city, uh, German city of Cologne on Sunday, calling for Berlin to drop its support of Ukraine. But there was also this German war protest. As you can see, this is uh, night footage. One person who put this up said, uh, not just the Czech Republic, but many in Europe are pushing back. Hundreds of German citizens protested the delivery of weapons to Ukraine. In Kassel, protesters blocked the entrance to the arms factory of the Rhine Metal Corporation. The police used batons and tear gas against them. So this is one of the uh, German weapon uh, companies that is there. And um, so they're... Uh, protesting the war, whereas other people are protesting the, uh, the economic hardship that they have foisted upon us. But uh, the World Economic Forum just doesn't want you to protest at all. Just shut up and eat your bugs. You know, stick a bug in your mouth. A World Economic Forum official has rebuked dissenters. You shouldn't really be talking about our organization, he said. And I know that's the case. They're very, very sensitive about that. It's one of the reasons why we should talk all the more about them. Uh, I never, never engaged them or interacted with them on Twitter. 
And then one day I saw something. I said, you know, I really should follow them because I, I use uh, Twitter. I don't use it much anymore, but I use it uh, primarily as a news feed when I used it in the past. And so a couple of months ago, I thought, well, you know, I should, uh, I should probably follow them so I could see in my news feed what they're saying. And I went to follow them and it said uh, I'd been blocked, blocked preemptively uh, by Davos even though I had not engaged them in anything. Adrian Monk, a former journalist turned managing director of the World Ecofascist, the WEF, said uh, Canada should be talking about a lot of things right now. He went on a Canadian um, uh, uh, interview. Uh, should be talking, Canada should be talking about a lot of things right now. It shouldn't really be talking about the World Economic Forum based here in Geneva. He said, um, uh, if you think it's our fault, you don't understand. It's the fault of the broken system. It's the fault of the pandemic. The Great Reset is simply an opportunity to build a better world. See, that's exactly what the Trump press does for President Trump all the time. Uh, if you think it's about the lockdown, it, it just happened to him. It was just the pandemic. He couldn't do anything about it. You know, it's like nobody has ever been hated as much by the deep state as him. He's just trying to protect himself. That's why he's betraying the Constitution and his voters, and that's why he's uh, done everything that Davos wanted to do, just like uh, uh, Trudeau, right? Same thing. As a matter of fact, he did more than Trudeau. Trudeau didn't develop a vaccine. Trump did. Several of them. Still bragging about it, as a matter of fact. Uh, that vaccine that Trudeau and Biden are requiring, or had been requiring, and now they still are in a lot of places, still requiring it in the military, still requiring it to cross the borders and things like that. Uh, that vaccine that they're made, that was made by Trump. The Great Reset is trending. And uh, you know what it is, right? Said uh, Delling Pole as he put it out there. Well, uh, Monk said there's really nothing to it. Uh, the Great Reset should not be talked about because it remains just a harmless talking point that began when world governments were pouring billions of dollars into keeping the government economy afloat. You see, that was just a response. It wasn't a plan. It wasn't a conspiracy. He said the idea was that we should also try and suggest to people that they think about spending it on the kind of long-term things that would aid climate change. Yeah, that's an idea. You know, we got all this money, and we had to shut everything down. We had to help people. I got an idea what we can do with all that money. Uh, let's use it to help with climate change. So it wasn't a plan. It wasn't switching out one MacGuffin for another one. It said it would just help jobs. We could reskill and, and address some bigger long-term challenges. And so, um, you know, uh, it had nothing to do with the uh, UN 2030 agenda that had been around for a long time. Uh, I saw this article and I thought, well, this is, uh, this is Eugippius, an alias that uh, uh, someone use, writes under uh, at a website, eugippius.com. Uh, he wrote an article called The Terrifying Vacuity of Klaus Schwab. He thinks that Schwab is one of the dumbest, most tedious um, people who has written an utterly pointless book, uh, perhaps the most utterly pointless book ever written. Well, here's the thing. It is boring. It is tedious because it's a policy statement. Policy statements are always boring. That's how these guys get away with it. You know, they put you to sleep before you can finish the, the thing. You know, they bury all of the, you know, the stuff is buried in, uh, multiple, uh, multi-syllabic, uh, words and, um, you know, just, uh, 
verbose stuff. That's how they bury this stuff. Uh, many of us are pondering when things will return to normal in the introduction of the book, he says. Uh, and he says, listen to the string of absurdities. So Klaus Schwab is the one who's writing here. Many of us are pondering when things will return to normal. <laughs> the short response is never. Nothing will ever return to the broken sense of normalcy that prevailed prior to the crisis because the coronavirus pandemic marks a fundamental inflection point in our global trajectory. Trajectory, right? Now, what this guy doesn't seem to understand who thinks that this is vacuous and beside the point, he doesn't understand how they're using cycles of human history. We are at an inflection point. We are at a turning point. <clears throat> he said, by itself, the pandemic, this is Schwab's writing again, by itself, the pandemic may not completely transform the world, but we will accelerate many of the changes that are already taking place before it erupted. Uh, the possibilities for change, the resulting new order, are now unlimited and only bound by our imagination. And he's like, can you imagine this, that this is so empty? And he's telling us he's monologuing like a supervillain about what they wanted to do. So he offers the position that corona isn't so much contingent upon environmental and sustainability catastrophe as it is the same kind of catastrophe, or at least so, thoroughly interconnected with these other potential catastrophes, that it might as well be the same thing. And so um, uh, the author, Eugippius, says uh, the quote here from the book, uh, The Great Reset, which, you know, you use the term Great Reset, that's just a conspiracy theory. Uh, in global terms, it is this climate change and with ecosystem collapse that the pandemic most easily equates. The three represent by nature and to varying degrees existential threats to humankind. And so then he lists five shared attributes of the two MacGuffins. Number one, they're known systemic risks that propagate very fast. Number two, they are non-linear, meaning that beyond a certain threshold or tipping point, they can exercise catastrophic effects. Now, those first two things, what does that boil down to? That boils down to the salesman saying, you know, we got a Labor Day sale here, but you got to act fast because it's going to disappear, right? Uh, and in some cases, that actually is true for Labor Day sales. But that's always the pressure point of a salesman is to say, this ain't going to last, right? This is, you know, this, this deal is only good for 24 hours. Uh, number three, the probabilities and distribution of their impacts are very hard, if not impossible, to measure. So we have to get something that people can't quantify. And then when we do have quantifiable things, we have uh, statistics about what the vaccine is doing to people. We have statistics about what is happening in, uh, with COVID and the rest of this stuff, uh, with our tests. And we'll hide that information so we can manipulate it, but don't let them get the raw data. Just like you don't want them to see the raw data on temperatures and things like that. Hide all that stuff. Uh, it's impossible to measure. You're just going to have to trust me because I'm an expert. I am science. Number four, they're global in nature. They must openly be properly addressed in a globally coordinated fashion. <clears throat> and fine, uh, on number five, they affect disproportionately already the most vulnerable countries and the segments of the population. 
Yes, I know that we are doing this. It's going to be very expensive for you. But you understand, the poor people have it so much harder. And we're going to have to take the money from you to give it to them. Except they never get the money. It stays with them. So I would, broke, I would break this down instead of these five points that Klaus gave us. It's much simpler. You come up with an existential threat. You tell everybody there's no time to wait. you got to act now. That's the first two steps. Number three, it's got to be a global problem because you want to have a global solution offered by a global government. And number four, we've got to take everything from you in order to solve this. Schwab desperately wants corona to be the same kind of crisis as climate change, says Eugippius. Because by profession, he's only interested in problems that require supranational levels of cooperation. I completely disagree I, I, with his orientation, his analysis of this. Uh, he can't see the conspiracy. He can't see the conspiracy even after over 50 years of this stuff. He can't see that they're just offering you the same thing. This is an existential threat. You got no time to do it. Uh, we, you just have to let us do whatever we need to do, regardless of the cost, regardless of the risk. This is a global problem, and uh, we're going to have all the governments come together to do it so we can have a global government. He thinks that Schwab is reading the tea leaves here and coming up with a great reset. He's got it backwards, frankly. He's got it backwards. Where is the outrage? America's leaders are fiddling while the country burns. This is from Real Clear Politics. Another one. I think uh, the guy has missed the point here. Um, this isn't something that just happened to us. But this writer, um, uh, J. Peter Zane at Real Clear Politics, uh, says, um, you know, what happened? That was a question. Where is the outrage? That was a question that was posed by Bob Dole in the middle of the Bill Clinton scandals to which uh, his uh, political uh, guru, James Carville, said, uh, that don't matter at all. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the economy, stupid. Remember that? Well, it turns out that voters cared about the economy. So why don't they care about the economy now? Well, because we're under attack. We're under attack with depopulation injections. We're under attack with lockdowns and all the rest of this stuff. And, and just about the time we figure that out and figure out that the whole thing is a hoax, they throw a war at us. They add a world war to the civil wars that they started in every single country. And they uh, try to uh, uh, punish us economically. Well, why don't we do something about it if they're trying to punish us economically? Well, because we have tribal warfare. And he got that right, um, the author, uh, Peter Zane. He said, uh, politics has in the U.S., but it's everywhere, but especially in the U.S., has descended into tribal warfare, a blinding emotion that has become the default position of both major parties. Each sees the other side as more outrageous, as threats to self-governance itself. You see, the key thing for these people to win, it's one of the reasons why I haven't focused so much last week on the uh, evil Brandon speech. Because in order for you to ignore what they're doing to you, to your health care, to your food, to your fuel, to your transportation, to your family, to all the rest of these things, in order for you to ignore all of that, 
You've got to hate the other tribe more than you love your life. Let me say that again. You've got to hate the other more than you love yourself and your family. And that's what all this stuff about Trump and Biden is really about. It's about this tribalism. It's about creating uh, the sense that uh, I'm not going to defend liberty. I hate that other guy. And he's so much worse. Whatever you say about Trump, Biden is so much worse. Or whatever you say about Biden, Trump is so much worse, as the other side would say, right? Uh, lost in this revenge play politics is thoughtful discussion about how to address our nation's pressing problems. So up to this point, I absolutely agree with Peter Zane. Real clear politics. Absolutely agree with him. But then he says, um, when we go back and we look at what happened, he says, in the midst of the pandemic, the government gave unemployment benefits to the incarcerated, to the imaginary, to the dead. It sent money to farms. It turned out to be front yards. It paid people who were on the government's do not pay list. It gave loans to 342 people who said their name was N slash A, not applicable. What government did that? What government did that, uh, Mr. Zane? Uh, you won't say. Say it's okay to criticize. Um, <clears throat> it's okay to criticize Biden, but you can't say that this stuff was Trump, because it wasn't the government giving unemployment benefits. To, it was a Trump administration, and even worse than that, what's not on the list is that he gave tens of millions of dollars to each of these governors to punish their own people, and he kept the money going. To me, that's even more egregious than all the fraud that's in here. And so then he goes, these COVID failures and myriad others underscore the incompetence of our leaders. Sorry, no. It wasn't a COVID failure. It was a Trump administration failure. It wasn't incompetence. It was the plan. It was the Great Reset. We'd been told about this. We'd been told about it, UN 2030 agenda. Uh, we'd been told about the, you know, you'll own nothing agenda from back in 2015. They were talking about exactly what they were going to do. They trained for this for 20 years with their germ games. And yet we're supposed to believe that this was, everything was all, uh, was just wonderful until um, COVID came along. And uh, then, you know, uh, there was incompetence and corruption of the bureaucracy, not the guy at the top. And I've had people, um, you know, you've heard, probably heard it yourself, don't attribute to malice what can be explained by incompetence. But what if the people uh, are really malicious? For example, Trudeau, freedom convoy leaders ask the court to unfreeze donation funds so they can pay their lawyers. This is malice. This is a plan. Uh, I don't know how many times these people have to go on record uh, about this stuff before people understand that it's a plan. And um, if you look at what is happening with the uh, climate MacGuffin versus the uh, uh, pharmaceutical MacGuffin, <laughs> it is obvious 
that these people are lying to us. They're using exactly the same plans and they want to take us to exactly the same place. All right, when we come back, I am going to take a look at Evil Brand. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Dutch Boy Platinum Plus. It's only paint. It's only paint that comes in an award-winning twist and pour container. It's only paint that will transform your den with just one coat of salted lavender into a writer's sanctuary. It's only paint that will help you become TV's hottest writer where you'll meet this guy. Hey. Who starred in that thing. Now that's a twist I didn't see coming. So yeah, it's only paint. Only easy opening, smooth pouring, change your life both professionally and romantically paint. Dutch Boy. Only at Menards. And uh, some of the fallout on that. Uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us. David Knight Show. All right, and I see a, uh, <laughs> a statement there from uh, from Handy on Rockfin. He said, "Good timing, David. Just now, I got a text saying Trump was tricked." <laughs> That's why I'm saying this because everybody's saying that. This is why you know I'm I don't want to talk about him every day. I'm sick of him, but I'm sick of the tricks. He's the tricker. Okay, he he was not tricked. He is the tricker. You are the tricky. Uh, he says, no, he's just a murderer. Uh, let's take a look at um, another murderer, uh, Evil Brandon, uh, Babylon B. Uh, <laughs> talks about uh, the speech. After using the FBI to suppress his son's crimes and raid political rivals at home, Biden warns democracy is in danger. <laughs> uh, folks, I'm just using the feds as best I can to destroy my political opponents. But let me be clear. I'm going to have to break more laws, seize even more power if I'm going to stop fascism, yelled President Biden, lighted and blood red and surrounded by soldiers. Um, yeah, here's here's a red flag for you, folks. You know, this type of thing. Is, is that enough of a red flag for you? I don't even get it because, you know, these are this is supposed to be Team Blue. They, they just broke everything with that, didn't they? Uh, yeah, there's a purpose for that, of course. Um, <clears throat> so um, I'm going to have to seize even more power if I'm going to stop fascism, yelled uh, President Biden. Lighted and blood red and surrounded by soldiers. <laughs> I don't care if that means a federal takeover of elections. 
an overthrow of the judiciary. Heck, I don't care if I have to use F-15s to carpet bomb every single Republican neighborhood in the country. We will forcibly commandeer every lever of power and communication our nation has to, you know, defeat fascism. (laughs) Uh, Biden went on to call for the expulsion from Democratic society. Anybody who questioned the integrity of an American election. If you question an election's fairness because our intel communities told media companies to bury damaging stories about me, or because COVID was used as an excuse to illegally change voting practices without legislative input, or because the FBI spied on Trump's campaign after Democrats gave him a bogus dossier, you have no place in our civil society. Well, that's true. The only problem is that uh, uh, COVID was used as an excuse to illegally change voting practices under Trump, under Trump. I talked about it for months, what was going to happen. A lot of people did. Anyway, uh, accepted InfoWars. <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, while we're at it, if you don't support abortion through nine months or the genital mutilation of children, you are an enemy of the state. Well, you know, some of the um, <clears throat> dictatorial things of Biden uh, may not work out <clears throat> exactly the way that he had imagined and North Carolina and, and Mississippi and some other States, they're talking about taxing the student loan forgiveness program. And so everybody's talking about that part of it, right? The, the fairness of it, the cost of it, the legality of it, all these different things, except they're not talking when they, even when they talk about the uh, legality of it, they're not talking about the fact that it's all predicated on the emergency order the 906-day-old emergency order about COVID, the medical martial law dictate. You can talk about the inflationary effects of this and everything else, but it is fundamentally, where does he get the authority? From Trump. From Trump. That's where he got the authority for the student loan thing. Uh, Hear any Republicans talking about that? Nah. Uh, From fist bump to fisted, oil surges after OPEC agrees on a $100 uh, uh, per barrel production. I'm sorry, 100,000 barrels per day production cost. They want to get to $100 per barrel um, and keep it there. And so they've decided that they're going to cut 100,000 barrels per day, per day. And uh, Zero Hedge is saying, we told you so. Uh, they've actually got, <laughs> in this article said, just as we predicted, on June 22nd, 2022, Zero Hedge said, it'll be funny when Ben Salman cuts OPEC output after meeting with Biden. Uh, they put that there under the fist bump that uh, Biden and the Saudi had. Uh, so I, I guess, you know, if somebody's got blood on their hands, that's the appropriate way to shake hands, right? <laughs> the fist bump. Uh, these, and I don't know, both of them have blood on their hands. Uh, the small cut would reverse the $100,000 barrel a day that OPEC said it would add to the market last month after Biden's trip to Saudi Arabia. Uh, so uh, there you go. Um, uh, the sheiks giveth and the sheiks taketh away. Since the G7 oil price cap was announced on Friday, on Friday. So the group of seven, which used to be the group of eight, got together and announced on Friday that they're going to cap the price of oil. Well, guess what? 
the people who set the price are the called producers and the consumers they get to consume now they can change you know, they can try to boycott if they want and uh, not buy this stuff but how's that going to work out for you if you have to buy it uh, then um, there's not really anything that you can do about the price cap unless you are producing it and they've all decided they don't want to produce it very much so I mean, even as they're looking at all kinds of political fallout from this, uh, the UK is adamant that they are not going to pull anything else out of the massive North Sea oil fields that they've got. They want to shut that down, do no more exploration, or uh, take the stuff out. Because, you know, hey, we don't want it. So that's right, you're not going to get it. This, this whole fantasy that, well, um, if uh, we get the gas and oil from Russia, uh, then we can pretend that it's clean stuff, right? Uh, because it's not, we're not the ones that are producing it. They're producing it. So they're bad, you know, for doing that. Uh, but it's kind of like this whole idea that, well, if I've got an electric car, the, there's no emissions involved in that. Well, the emissions involved in your electric car go to however the power was generated. So if the power is being generated with a dirty coal plant as it is in India and China, where they don't have to clean up the emissions of any of their existing plants. As a matter of fact, they can build as many new power plants with zero emission controls as they wish. So that if you have a gasoline car that's getting 30 miles per gallon in India, it's got less emissions uh, than um, an electric car because the electric car is running off of uh, the dirty power plants that are fueling their grid in India. So, you know, the Europeans have decided that if um, they're not producing it, if Russia is producing it, then that gets enough distance between you and them that it looks like it's clean. So Russia, so after they decide they would cap the price of oil on Friday, Russia has responded by saying, we're going to cut off all the gas to Germany. We're going to cut it to zero. You know, they've been cutting it and, um, you know, they cut it to 40%. And then they said, oh, and by the way, you know, this is uh, for maintenance. But we've also got a turbine that's being fixed in Canada and Trudeau doesn't want to send that back so we can put it in uh, the uh, pipeline. So, um, you know, we're going to have to cut it now to 20 and uh, Trudeau doesn't want to let them have that turbine back. So they cut it from 40 to 20% of what they had been doing. And now they said, well, you know, you just enacted some new price controls and everything. I think we'll give you nothing, nothing, zero. How about that? Russia is helping Europe to get clean. They wanted to get to zero. They wanted to, and now they're complaining because they've been forced to go to zero. They wanted it to happen gradually, but it's happening a little bit faster. So, uh, Russia has retaliated, cutting gas supply to Germany to zero, joining forces with Saudi Arabia and others at OPEC to reduce global oil production. Uh, so uh, with all of this happening, uh, we have uh, Biden has a solution. Uh, he is um, <laughs> he is, uh, hired John Podesta, John Podesta to oversee $370 billion in green energy spending. So 
who is uh what's what's podesta's background in is he uh, an engineer is he specialized in power generation or something like that well no actually he has uh no expertise in this at all he was uh, his only expertise is that he was uh, head of the obama administration's climate strategy uh to spend money with uh friends uh that's what he's experienced at you see podesta <clears throat> is um huh Another one of these guys, just like Paul Manafort, uh, uh, a K Street lobbyist. And so he's all about greasing palms and making allies and paying people off. That's what he's going to do with this $370 billion. And let me put that in perspective. You know, <clears throat> we typically don't pay much attention in the United States anymore to anything unless it gets up to a trillion dollars. <clears throat> we just had a $700 billion Inflation Reduction Act, and uh, about as much as the military budget. Who cares about that, right? Uh, this is only $370 billion. So, I mean, you know, compared to these other things, it's pretty trivial, except they do add up, don't they? But $370 billion is actually a lot of money, surprisingly. Uh, even with the price of things today, $370 billion, for example, is higher than the gross domestic product of Israel and many other nations. When you look at countries based on their gross domestic product, that is everything that is produced, goods and services within a country on an annual basis, um, Israel has a GDP of $853 billion. And John Podesta has just been given... 370 billion. He's just been handed the something that is bigger than the entire economy of Israel. And Israel is the 35th, 31st uh, largest economy in the world. There's 190 nations. And only 30 nations have a GDP higher than Israel. And um, there's only 29, you know, the other one that is uh, one notch above them is about equal to uh, uh, what uh, Podesta is going to have. So Podesta has an amount of money that he can hand out to people if, um, you know, for the appropriate response, of course. He's got an amount of money to hand out to people that is higher than um, every country on earth except for 30 of them. All the rest, and countries like this, for example, Portugal. Portugal only has $219 billion. John Podesta has $370. New Zealand only has $204 billion. Uh, John Podesta has $370 billion. Uh, Greece, $203 billion is their GDP. Uh, Podesta has $370 billion. Hungary has a gross domestic product of $140 billion. John Podesta has $370. Um, so... Uh, that's the amount of money that he's got. Oh, by the way, you know, that's just his green energy spending. And then we have uh, the massive um, infrastructure bill. And as part of that, <clears throat> there is, uh, uh, that bill is many times bigger than the $200 billion that has been given to Pete Bootygay to spend as he wishes. And I said, wow, this is going to make this guy a very, very powerful politician. He's got a lot of favors to hand out to people. 
because he's got $200 billion to spend on infrastructure. Um, is he going to use it to fill potholes or is he going to use it to uh, create friends? But, you know, when you look at the $200 billion that uh, uh, Boudigay has, again, that's about the same amount as the entire gross domestic product of New Zealand and Greece. The amount of money that is being spent, wasted by the federal government is truly astounding. I remember back in the fall of 2019 when they had this repo thing going on and they were spending, they eventually spent, you know, uh, well over a trillion dollars in it. But I was looking at this stuff and it's like, whoa, look at how much they just put into this repo market, uh, derivative type of market. And, and I looked at it and it's like, let's get a perspective on this. And it was, they just dropped in a single day an amount that was equivalent to the gross domestic product of Switzerland, which is number 20 in terms of gross domestic product. They did that in one day. Uh, you know, and the first time they did it, uh, that I saw it, it was equivalent to the gross domestic product of Puerto Rico in a single day. And then in a couple of weeks, they keep adding more and more and more. And, then, and each time they do it, it gets bigger and bigger. You know, that's the pattern. You do it from the inside, you do it iteratively, right? And uh, so it kept getting bigger and bigger. And the grand total kept getting bigger and bigger. So Podesta's got $370 billion. Uh, a veteran Washington insider who spearheaded the Obama administration's climate strategy to oversee the federal investment of $370 billion in clean energy under this new landmark uh, climate law. Yeah, right. He is a uh, veteran insider. Well, he's been inside the uh, Clinton campaign. He was chief of staff for Bill Clinton. He was chairman of Hillary Clinton's unsuccessful campaign. And the rest of the time, he's been a high-powered lobbyist in Washington. Uh, so, um, yeah, that John Podesta. Um, Biden puts a total in totalitarianism, writes, um, uh, this is uh, Roger Kimball, an American greatness. He said, um, when you look at this speech that was made and, you know, again, think about the fact this was made at Independence Hall in Philadelphia, uh, especially amazing, isn't it? Uh, he said, um, there's a couple of things to look at it. First of all, the theater of the piece, uh, the optics of the piece, uh, very clearly designed. He said, this is stage craft. Uh, he said, uh, very bombastic, melodramatic, red lighting. The presence of armed Marines flanking the president, Biden's hectoring, gesticulating delivery, reminiscent of a speech by Stalin Mao or the closest parallel, that diminutive little former house painter who for a few short years mesmerized the world with his elaborately staged rallies before pushing ahead with more kinetic activities. To those who object that I'm flirting with Godwin's law by invoking Adolf Hitler, I reply that the flirtation was not mine Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 
How are businesses across the U.S. turning idle vehicles into thousands of dollars in revenue each month? With Coop by Rider. Coop is the leading commercial vehicle sharing platform where you can start a new revenue stream by renting out idle trucks, tractors, or trailers. Want to know how much your vehicles could make? Calculate your potential earnings with our revenue calculator. Visit coop.com audio. That's C-O-O-P dot audio. By the doing of Biden's producers and puppeteers, the visual similarity between Biden's event and some nighttime events at the Nuremberg uh, are just too striking to be coincidental. Uh, again, you know, we look at that, and uh, as many people pointed out, it looks very similar to the uh, backdrop there that was used for the, <laughs> the dictator, you know, uh, red and black, uh, sinister looking backdrop there that you saw in V4 Vendetta. Uh, many people have pointed out the similarity to that, which brings me to the question of the intent behind the theatrics. Uh, this kind of stuff just doesn't happen by mistake, right? What was this, ex uh, was this exercise in garish totalitarian, uh, stagecraft? Was that a gaffe or was it an aesthetic miscalculation? Who knew that people would see it that way? Well, no. Um, Biden's press secretary uh, says, well, uh, this speech was not political. He said, a year or so back, I might have thought the theatrics were inadvertent, but I've changed my mind. Having watched Biden's Justice Department morph into an American Stasi with the FBI conducting pre-dawn raids against various Trump supporters, arresting former aides, confiscating the mobile phones and other property of lawyers. He says, I think this is an intimidation strategy uh, that is um, uh, much larger than just this event. Like the intimidating and slightly unhinged theatrics of his speech, the set is all deliberate scare tactics. A spectacle of 87,000 newly minted IRS agents waiting in the wings is another part of that shock and awe campaign. But he goes, uh, besides the theatrics, what about the substance? Well, he said it was a tooth and claw attack on Donald Trump and the MAGA agenda. The response to this unprecedented attack by a sitting president against his predecessor, as well as against the tens of millions of his predecessor's supporters, has been so robust that Biden felt it necessary to walk back the remarks, sort of. He said, I don't consider any Trump supporter a threat to the country, he said on Friday, after having just said that the night before. But then he kind of goes off the rail, I think, because he, in this article, and again, uh, the uh, writer of this is um, uh, Roger Kimball. He says, um, <clears throat> What is MAGA that these people are so upset about? Well, what is it about the agenda that makes it so dangerous? Well, he says um, at the top of the list were efforts to restore American prosperity, in part by exporting our enormous energy resources, in part by abolishing mischievous and burdensome regulation, in part by cutting taxes, providing incentives for American business to hire American and produce their goods in America. Okay, that's fine, and that's true. That was the approach. And even if they didn't do much of that, they didn't attack all that the way that Biden has. Also, the top of the list was the integrity of our southern border. 
How did all that work out? He said, well, illegal immigration had slowed to a trickle. I'm sorry. No, it didn't. Sorry, Roger. Didn't happen that way. Uh, and he said before the onslaught of COVID notice this, it's not the reaction to a phony pandemic, but it is, and the, and the tactics of fighting it, as I was saying from the very beginning, even if this was a bioengineered weapon deliberately released, these are the wrong things to do. They were always the wrong reaction, even under the worst case scenario, it was the wrong reaction. But now the Trump apologists like Roger Kimball say it was, everything was just great until the onslaught of COVID. COVID killed the Trump. No, Trump killed Main Street and the middle class. His policies had resulted in the lowest unemployment in decades. Uh, but he says, um, uh, you see uh, this disdain for traditional bourgeoisie values like hard work, family solidarity, and local initiatives. It was Trump who said we were non-essential. It was Trump who shut down uh, the mom-and-pop service businesses while he allowed the bigger businesses to stay open. It was Trump who funded the governors to do that. It was Trump who funded the governors to shut down the churches. So anyway, um, this is why I say people look at this and it's like, oh, look, everything was perfect under Trump. I'm sorry. 2020? No. no. And even before that, before that, we had got to get the shot, the MMR, you know, the measles, it's going around. We had the gun control executive orders. We had the due process, uh, you know, throwing that out. All of that happened. Uh, but the aspect, uh, Jonathan Turley talks about the aspect of using Marines. He said this violated longstanding federal policies and regulations to use them and the Marine ban. And um, again, he said, um, uh, for a clearly political speech. As a matter of fact, as he points out, it was such, such clearly a political speech that the mainstream media didn't carry it live. And, um, you know, uh, because it was not something that was like a state of the union speech. It was clearly just a political speech, even though white house press secretary said, it's not a political speech. He said it was unabashedly political from calls to get the vote out to direct attacks on MAGA Republicans and Donald Trump. That again, raised the legal questions over the use of Marines in such a speech. Even CNN flagged their con the concern over the use of Marines. And CNN chief White House correspondent Caitlin Collins stated the obvious, that, quote, it was a very political speech. Uh, and Jonathan Turley, again, makes a reference to V for Vendetta. He says, um, it almost had that high Chancellor Adam Sutler look for V for Vendetta. The comparison ultimately did not end just with optics. Sutler warned his inner circle that, quote, every day brings us closer to November. <laughs> and I want this country to realize that we stand on the edge of oblivion. And I want every man, woman, and child to understand how close we are to chaos and to remember why they need us. Yeah, that's uh, kind of what that guy said too, isn't it? Uh, so anyway, the uh, Marines have a policy. Uh, you cannot uh, have personnel show up in uniform 
at a political rally. All the different branches of service have that, as well as uh, you should not use them to participate in overtly political events as well. But of course, uh, don't expect any rules like that to be observed by uh, those who uh, ignore the rules as they set them. A Biden aide, uh, this is uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, uh, said, quote, MAGA Republican agenda has no place in our democracy. It's not just this is on Sundays uh, this week. It's not just, uh, you know, speech here and there. This is a unified position of the Biden administration because, of course, Biden is not writing his speeches. He's reading them uh, as well as he can uh, that other people have written for him. Uh, she said, uh, by Bottoms said, what MAGA agenda has been about, it's been about distorting the truth. It's been about misleading people. It's been about putting out information that inflames people. You see, every single one of these things is a call for censorship from her. Uh, so uh, in article Zero Hedge, they ask, are conservatives being set up as scapegoats for disaster? The level of hostility in Biden's rant was carefully calculated, if not haphazard, uh, he has dementia, but he is a puppet reading from a teleprompter. Everything he says is scientifically constructed by a host of puppeteers. Even CNN tried to change the blood red color in Biden's backdrop to pink. As a matter of fact, I saw some, a lot of people, uh, when they first started showing, uh, this particular picture of him standing there, shaking his fist in front of the, uh, of the dark sinister with red highlight background and the Marines in the background. Uh, I saw a lot of people pushing back against that said, I watched that and that wasn't it. You know, you Photoshop this. Well, I, I said, really, is that a Photoshop thing? I scroll through and it's like, I saw the picture and the picture was one that was put up by Newsweek and other places that are not critical of Biden, but supporters of Biden. It turns out that the Photoshopping and the tweaking of the colors was done by CNN, as I said earlier, most, uh, you know, the ABC, CBS, NBC decided they would not cover it live because it was a political speech, but you had, um, CNN and MSNBC, others carried it live, but CNN tried to change it from red to pink. It could have just put in some rainbow colors, you know, it's easy enough, right? Uh, surveys show the top concerns of Americans are food and security and the economy. Uh, only eight to 9% of Americans bring up abortion law as a top concern, but to steer people away from the economy, what do you do? Well, you make it about this tribal warfare and the tribal warfare is focused around Trump. Like I said before, he's a one man civil war uh, for both the people who support him and the people who, um, who hate him and, uh, the people who hate him understand how easy it is to manipulate public opinion when we should be concerned about the fact that everything is being taken away from us. All anybody can talk about is, well, what's happening to Trump? That's what I want to know. I mean, this guy who lives in Mar-a-Lago, you're struggling with your fuel and food supplies, and you're only worried about this guy living in the lap of luxury? Yeah, I understand that uh, they violated the law. Do you understand they do that all the time? It isn't just when it happens to Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, other people don't get a knock on the door. Other people, they don't wait until they're gone. They throw flash grenades into babies' cribs and they shoot people when they break into other people's homes. 
That happens all the time. It's disgusting to see it, frankly. But uh, nobody really cares about it unless it happens to their political tribal leader. Uh, so, um, yeah, <laughs> Trump brands Biden an enemy of the state. This is his response. A brilliant counter move, exposing Biden for the morally, financially, legally corrupt, bankrupt criminal that he is. Now, his response is, well, everything you say about me is true of you. you. What you say about me bounces off of me and sticks to you like glue. This is like, you know, meet me in the parking lot of the school after school and we'll duke this out. He's got nothing to say. Oh, yeah, I'm an enemy of the state. No, you're an enemy of the state. Juvenile response, which is exactly what you expect from Trump. Both of them are enemies of the people. They're not enemies of the state. They're friends of the state. Trump promoted Gina Haspel to be the head of the deep state, the person who lied us into the Iraq war about weapons of mass destruction. They're not enemies. Neither one of them are enemies of the state. They're both lying about that. They're both friends of the state, puppets of the state, if you will. Uh, so Trump said he's an enemy of the state. If you want to know the truth, the enemy of the state is him and the group that's controlling him, which is circling around him. Huh. That's interesting. We were told even by the Trump supporters, you know, it's not Trump. Trump. Trump's not doing this stuff to you. It's the people who are surrounding him and encircling him. They're the ones who are doing it to you. Isn't it funny how it's just the same? You know, I had a guy <laughs> sent me a comment on uh, Zell. He sent me some money on Zell and a tip. Thank you, Thomas uh, G. Appreciate it. He said, maybe in 2024, it'll be a Trump-Biden ticket. <laughs> Got to get your shots. Uh, they might as well. Quite frankly, they might as well. They're two sides of the same coin. Uh, that guy uh, out the door is destroying our democracy, said Biden. Well, you know, maybe um, if uh, he said as he got a heckler on Labor Day, um, maybe in a democracy, maybe you don't uh, question the state. Is that how you define a democracy, Biden? You know, anybody that questions what I have to say as a dictator? Uh, you are not just an enemy of the state, but you're an enemy of democracy. Mm. And um, uh, we're going to uh, deal with you as such. MSNBC. I thought this was interesting. Uh, pushing a civil war, rights, information, liberation. And you have a guy who uh, goes on um, and uh, with uh, MSNBC host uh, there, uh, Tiffany Cross. And she has a guy on her show, Roland Martin. And Roland Martin goes full Alex Jones, except he's got a lot less energy. Uh, you know, he doesn't, he's not popping veins on his head and he's not screaming uh, to blow out his voice. But basically, if you listen to what he had to say, it's just like his, uh, this, this black liberal is sounding exactly like white conservative Alex Jones. We may have to fight. We're at war with these people. These folks are evil. The evil is spreading. And when you're on war footing, you have to respond accordingly. When the enemy is coming at you, you can't fall down. You can't break down. This means war. 
Well, you know, he doesn't say it uh, quite as I can't even do it as don't want to do it as forcefully as Alex. But here's, here's what he had to say. We are at war with these people. These folks are evil. They have allowed evil into their house with Donald Trump. He has now dominated the party. This evil is spreading. And when you are in a war footing, you have to respond accordingly. It's about time President Joe Biden decided to get tough. It's about time. Got to get the energy level up a little bit. Come on. Weak and stop being impotent and not fighting back. <laughs> What these people want to do to this country is destroy democracy. They want to rig elections. And so it requires you to stand strong. You don't walk comments back. You don't wilt under the pressure. Republicans and conservatives, they are weak. All they do is whine and complain. Oh, my God. He called us semi-fascists. They have called Democrats uh, Marxists. They have called them communists. <laughs> they have called them socialists. They have called well, them pedophiles. <laughs> and all of a sudden, now... You get hit, and now you start whining. Well, guess what, Democrats? Guess what, Biden? Guess what, Jamie Harrison, Schumer, Pelosi, and everyone else? You keep hitting. You keep pounding. Because this is about the future of our children. I've got 13 nieces and nephews, and I'd be damned if I'm going to leave a country for them run by these crazed, deranged folks who want to impart evil in every facet of our society. Yeah, it's a scary thing. That yeah, yeah. You know, just sell it a little bit harder. You know, he'd have a great career ahead of him. They just got to sell it a little bit more, a little bit more energy, a little bit more screaming, a little bit more bloodshot uh, eyes and popping veins. If And then Tiffany Cross began by saying, it feels like we're not just at the brink of civil war, but that one has already begun. Did it begin with a great reset? It began with a um, depopulation? Did it begin with a lockdown? Did it begin with the surveillance of tracking of uh, the... Uh, uh, government may I society permission society yeah uh, all of that is a um, uh, a war against us we're going to talk about the uh, world war when we come back and I want to talk about uh, a an interesting approach taken by a Taiwanese billionaire who is setting up a his approach is not to spend tens of millions of dollars on a bunch of uh, expensive military equipment from the United States, but he's training to, uh, to uh, uh, an army of millions of people with small arms, exactly the kind of stuff that Biden said would be useless against um, a, a government that wants to attack its own people. Uh, training them to do exactly... Here's to you, permanent resident of the snack table. For without you, how would we know that a bun is merely a vessel for delivering Eckridge smoked sausage to your mouth and that there's no shame in being the first to get seconds? Mm. Here's to you. Eckridge smoked sausage. You do you. The economy is crazy right now. All-time high inflation, bearish stock market, rising home prices and interest rates. How do you figure it all out? Make your money go further and work harder with a certified financial planner professional from Facet Wealth. Financial planning used to focus on retirement, but with Facet, a dedicated expert guides you through every financial decision. Facet advisors are certified financial planner professionals and fiduciaries. That's just a fancy way to say they have the best training, and they're legally bound to do what's in your best interest. 
This isn't just about investments. You get an entire team of experts within insurance, taxes, estate planning, and budgeting to make complex financial decisions easy. Facet has a simple flat fee, no hidden charges, and with nothing to sell, there are no commissions. Visit tryfacetwealth.com for two months free off your first year of financial planning. That's T-R-Y-F-A-C-E-T wealth.com. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. That type of thing. So we'll talk about that and uh, what he is doing when we come back. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Deceit. Telling the truth is a revolutionary act. You're listening to The David Knight Show. All right, let's talk about World War III. Uh, But before we do, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks, demands in Europe that all Russian tourists be blocked, regardless of what they think. I mean, they might politically disagree with uh, Russia. They might disagree with Putin. But, you know, hey, they're Russian Uh, Don't even let them in the countries. And so with all of that happening, it turns out that um, Italian media has pointed the finger at Zelensky, who rented his beachside mansion. Now, this has a lot of different aspects to it. Uh, Zelensky denies that the people that they rented it to were Russian. Uh, But other people say they were. But I think even more important than the identity of these people is to look at the deep corruption. You know, we're giving them tens of billions of dollars. You know, we're up to, uh, in just the first few months, we're up to essentially the entire military budget of Russia. We've donated in weapons. And um, you've already had one person who has been following this for the last eight years. You know, this war began eight years ago as um, you had the coup that was put in by the Democrats and then the internal fighting and the civil war that began eight years ago, the shelling and, uh, of Donbass and these other areas since 2014. And they said, as these weapons are coming in, we can only account for about a third of them. We don't know where the rest of the stuff is going. So somebody's making a lot of money off of this. Zelensky has a mansion in Italy. It's alleged that it was rented to a Russian couple. But here's the more important part, I think. Um, It was rented for 50,000 euros in August. This is a luxury mansion that they're renting out for 50,000 euros. I think that's for a month. Um, Zelensky said the headlines in Il Torino newspaper. Uh, Zelensky rents to Russians. A picture of the luxury villa was also featured on the front page. And so um, they said that, uh, and, and this is also interesting, not only how luxurious this mansion is and how expensive it is to rent, but look at how the ownership is set up. An Italian company owns it that belongs to another company out of Cyprus 
and that company belongs to Zelensky's wife. So it's owned by a company, which is owned by another company, which is owned by his wife. And these are companies in different countries from each other and different countries from Zelensky. Uh, so their response was, what has been written is conjecture. The villa was rented to a couple for the summer. I won't tell you if they reside in London or not, but I assure you that it can't be Russians because we're absolutely forbidden to rent to Russians and Ukrainians. <laughs> I couldn't have been engaged in uh, something that was hypocritical. We're forbidden to be hypocritical. <laughs> but you notice that they don't deny owning this villa. They don't deny how extraordinarily um, over the top it is in terms of luxury. And they don't deny having multiple shell corporations in multiple countries to hide their ownership and to even pass it through his wife. This is what U.S. congressmen typically do and women. You know, Pelosi has her husband do the insider trading in his name, that type of thing. Uh, they always do it that way. Uh, Rand Paul got his wife to buy stock in Remdesivir's uh, uh, you know, um, parent company, Gilead Pharmaceutical. Uh, so um, I don't know why, you know, $50,000 rental for the summer, why that's not a scandal or the rest of the stuff. But, you know, Zelensky, he's obviously, he's got a lot of money tied up in this villa. I mean, he can't afford anything but the same T-shirt. He wears the same T-shirt everywhere. This guy can't even afford to buy clothes. He's so house poor, or I should say villa poor, right? Uh, <laughs> U.S. forces, meanwhile, are gearing up for war. Uh, they have been ordered to not use gender pronouns to make themselves more lethal. This is uh, your military today. We're in big trouble if we, <laughs> if we have a war. Uh, the Pacific Air Forces, uh, they've decided they're, they're tired of all this fighting back and forth about pronouns. And so... Let's just get rid of pronouns completely. Let's just change the language. You know, we're not going to say he or she or best male, best female, youngest, oldest. We're not even going to refer to people by name. Sergeant Murray, you know, because it could be a name, it could be gender or something, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to do it this way. These are the authorized examples. Those are the examples I said, don't do this. Here's what Pacific Command, uh, the people who would be fighting China, uh, this is what they're going to do to get a lethal fighting force. They'll change the language. So instead of saying Sergeant Murphy, you'll say this sergeant or this NCO or this member, not he or she, right? Don't refer to them by name. No, refer to them by rank and only by rank. Uh, and we can do that. And we can, that way we can have a cohesive, not so divisive force. And we can promote diversity and inclusion, except the diversity is dividing them and it's not including people as an admission of that, but they cannot get to the root cause. Rebecca Heinrichs, a defense policy expert and senior fellow at the Hudson Institute think tank said, this is a giant waste sucking waste of time. Uh, she said, it's painful to think about the amount of time servicemen have already spent writing these rules instead of figuring out how to beat China. She said, well, uh, maybe they should take some lessons from a Taiwanese billionaire. Uh, this is the guy I mentioned uh, before we went to break. The founder of a major microchip producer has reinstated his Taiwanese citizenship 
and he has pledged to spend $32 million of his own money to train civilian warriors to prepare for a Chinese invasion. Uh, Robert Zhao, founder of United Microelectronics Corporation, announced at a Thursday press conference that the Chinese Communist Party's threat to Taiwan was growing. The 75-year-old says he plans to train 3 million people in three years and will work with the island's civilian defense force, the Kuma Academy. He said, given the Chinese Communist Party's record of atrocities against its own people and its brutal domination of those like the Uyghurs, who are not even Chinese, the CCP's threats have only ignited among the Taiwanese people a bitter hatred against this threatening enemy and a shared determination to resist. I am back in Taiwan, and I will die in Taiwan. I will not watch the CCP turn Taiwan into another Hong Kong, he said uh, during his speech. According to The Guardian, 60% of the funds would go toward the Army of Warriors, while 40% would be to train another 300,000 in how to shoot. He said, if we can successfully resist China's ambitions, we not only will be able to safeguard our homeland, but make a big contribution to the world situation and the development of civilization. Now, I agree with this approach because, first of all, I agree with self-governance. I think if um, Taiwan wants to be independent, uh, that's their decision to be made. They should not be, uh, have that, uh, uh, should not be invaded, should not be forced to join China, not be coerced by uh, outside powers uh, to join China, and certainly not be uh, coerced by China. So I support self-governance. I always do. And um, even if they were part of China already, I would support them if they wanted to break off. And I talked about that, you know, when we talked about Ukraine. So, okay, fine. Uh, Ukraine wants to leave. Everybody said, that's good. Yeah, we want Ukraine to leave Russia. But then when Crimea said, well, we want to stay with Russia because, you know, kind of got used to it over a couple hundred years. And we have cultural ties with them, linguistic ties, you know, in terms of tribes and tongues and that type of thing. Uh, and everybody said, no, you can't do that. How does that work out? Right? How does that work out? How do you support the right of secession and self-governance for Ukraine, but you don't support it for Crimea as they want to leave Ukraine and associate with whoever they want to. So that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, the way that he is doing this, and that is by training people on the ground, an army of people who are armed. This is the approach that the founders of America saw for the security of our nation. Because if you got, if he, he doesn't have much time, perhaps, but if he was able to put guns in the hands of 3 million people or more uh, in that island, and um, if he had a well-regulated militia, meaning that they were well-trained, uh, the Chinese might be able to come in and decapitate their military very quickly. Uh, and all the uh, battle simulations appear to show that that can happen. Uh, they're not going to be able to win that type of war. But if the Chinese want to occupy it, they have to put boots on the ground. That turns into an asymmetric war with three million armed people. Uh, history has shown that even a militarily superior uh, country like the U.S. doesn't win those types of wars. 
Russia didn't win in Afghanistan, and you know the Chinese would not win in that type of situation. Uh, he was formerly an active supporter of unification of Taiwan with China. And he had renounced his Taiwanese citizenship in protest against a government investigation of his country, of his company, rather. The country there, Taiwan, I'm not saying, I don't know anything about the government in Taiwan. Uh, it may not be a good government. It may be like most of the others. You, know, you do what we say and you don't criticize us or we're going to come after you. I mean, probably that's the way it is. It's the way virtually every government is nowadays. Uh, but, uh, regardless, you know, he's, um, he, he renounced his uh, citizenship in Taiwan. Uh, but he said he had a change of heart after watching the crackdown on Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement. He said, uh, on Thursday, he announced that he had renounced his Singapore citizenship and that his Taiwanese citizenship had been restored and he planned to die in Taiwan and stand with its people. Uh, the Kuma Academy, that is going to be getting a lot of this money, was established in 2021, aimed at training Taiwan's civilian population, not just in shooting firearms, but in guerrilla warfare, and in self-defense, and in first aid skills. They're serious about this. That's really what needs to be done. That's what should be done uh, in uh, the United States, if we wanted to have real security, we wouldn't have tripwires in every country around the world. Uh, we would have a well-trained militia, trained in guerrilla warfare and first aid skills and self-defense. Um, he said, um, or the, rather the academy said in a statement, uh, the goal is ambitious, the challenge is daunting, <clears throat> but Taiwan has no time to hesitate. The academy, which was approached by Sal, after launching a fundraiser, said that the will of Taiwan's people to resist an invasion would determine the outcome of the war. They said, war is not a matter for a few people. We should learn that lesson here in the United States. We think that we can have a few people do the fighting for all of us. And yet what we've wound up with is a giant sucking bureaucracy, pushing pronouns and other nonsense. The United States is a, essentially a um, rotted out tree that is just waiting for a breeze to knock us over from that standpoint. If the people, <clears throat> if the American people don't want to defend the country or if they're not capable of doing it, uh, then we really don't have any defense. Our borders are wide open and defenseless, and we have become very passive, thinking that a few people and I'm not just talking about the military. I'm talking about politicians. Well, if I elect a few people in the federal government, that's all Republicans even care about anymore. Let's see, who's running for Senate and Congress and president? End of story. That's all we're going to talk about. And if you think you're going to solve the problems like that, that's why things are going to continue to get worse. War is not a matter for a few people. Neither is politics. Defending Taiwan is for every Taiwanese. Everyone has the ability and the responsibility to contribute their own strength, whether you're talking about war or politics. The main gas line, uh, gas pipeline to EU won't be closed, as I said before, until sanctions are lifted, said the Kremlin. Uh, they have essentially come out and admitted that they're going to use it as a weapon. 
Except that, you know, Biden did that as well, didn't he? On day one, he shut down pipelines to the United States. On day one, he started attacking our energy supplies. Biden did. Biden, if this is a declaration of war, if, he, if Putin is weaponizing gas and other things, and he is, he is. Sanctions are a declaration of war. This is a, a blowback, a counter sanction to the other sanctions that were imposed. All of this is true. Uh, it is a weaponization. It is an act of war. Sanctions, sieges, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, it is an act of war. But Biden did that to us on day one. And if you look at these sanctions against Russia, more than anything, they're just an escalation of the Biden sanctions against us that began on day one of his administration. A retired U.S. general is telling Ukraine it's better to negotiate now than later. Army Brigadier General Mark Kimmett uh, had served as Assistant Secretary of State for Political and Military Affairs under Bush. He warned in a Wall Street Journal op-ed days ago that the current policy of ramping up weapons systems to Kiev is only likely to lead to more casualties. Imagine that. Uh, yeah. Well, I think he knows that's exactly right. Um, Kimmett argued that with dwindling stocks of leading-edge weapon systems in NATO countries, it will inevitably lead to a prolonged conflict, and a longer war will in turn result in more pressure from supporting nations, sustained inflation, less heating and gas, and falling popular support. Well, we've known this all along. I mean, at the very beginning of this, it was very clear. You had uh, military analysts, not this guy, but uh, many. And the U.S. and other places, especially in India, a lot of them were saying, this is a plan for the U.S. to use Ukraine as a surrogate. They're going to fight the Russians to the last Ukrainian. And as a matter of fact, that plan had been announced uh, three years before it happened by uh, Arestovich, you know, this uh, guy who's part of the Z Zelensky cabal. So I uh, told the news reporter, I've played that many times. Yeah, it's going to be really bad. Ukraine's going to be devastated. Uh, what? There isn't any way that we can have any peace. You know, this war has been going on now since 2014. There were five years into it, three years ago. She said, what, how can we do? Oh, there's not going to be peace. He said, as a matter of fact, it's going to get much worse. This entire country is going to be havoced. There'll be nothing left. But she said, well, that's horrible. And he goes, no, that's really cool because we'll get into NATO. It's going to be cool for him, Arestovich and Zelensky with their uh, villas in Italy. Um, outlining the logistical peril of getting NATO weapons into Ukraine, the retired general explored three options, which involve varying means of keeping the weapons flowing, digging deeper into NATO stockpiles, but which will also ensure escalation, which is what they want. Uh, there, this is a, a race to World War III. They know they're not going to win this. Uh, they want, uh, they've got other goals. They want to destroy our country in the same way that Arestovich wanted to destroy his own country so they could be part of the club. That's what this is about. Uh, beginning the diplomatic resolution would be distasteful, he said, and perhaps seen as defeatist, but there is little chance of climbing out of the current morass. It may be better to negotiate now than later, said the retired general. Such realism appearing in a mainstream outlet when it comes to Ukraine debate is a rarity. 
But as Russia and the West continue their game of chicken over Ukraine and a full-blown uh, proxy war, um, it uh, looks like winter is going to be really big. Another one of these uh, Russian winters, except this time <laughs> uh, the winter stays, uh, the winter is coming to, um, uh, to Europe and they're going to be exporting the cold by not exporting the gas. <laughs> Interesting how history repeats itself, right? You had Napoleon and Hitler defeated by winter uh, as they were fighting Russia. Maybe, <laughs> maybe NATO and the EU and Davos is going to be defeated by winter as they're fighting the Russians again this time, but in a different way. Uh, Russia is going to legalize the use of cryptocurrency and in international trade. Uh, in the current conditions, they said uh, it is impossible to do without cross-border settlements in cryptocurrency. Uh, the Bank of Russia and the Ministry of Finance uh, reportedly agreed on that. And that is all happening as Biden is doing everything he can to attack crypto and to make it difficult. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to catch up on what is happening with uh, Pharmakia with a climate MacGuffin. The economy is crazy right now. All-time high inflation, bearish stock market, rising home prices and interest rates. How do you figure it all out? Make your money go further and work harder with a certified financial planner professional from Facet Wealth. Financial planning used to focus on retirement, but with Facet, a dedicated expert guides you through every financial decision. Facet advisors are certified financial planner professionals and fiduciaries. That's just a fancy way to say they have the best training, and they're legally bound to do what's in your best interest. This isn't just about investments. You get an entire team of experts within insurance, taxes, estate planning, and budgeting to make complex financial decisions easy. Facet has a simple flat fee, no hidden charges, and with nothing to sell, there are no commissions. Visit tryfacetwealth.com for two months free off your first year of financial planning. That's T-R-Y-F-A-C-E-T wealth.com. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what is happening with uh, Christian persecution in this country. So stay with us. We will be right back. Listening to the David Knight Show. All right. 
right, and we have a, a tip and a comment from Lewis Tart. Uh, thank you, Lewis. Uh, when are we going to go to D.C. to demand the government resigns? Uh, referring to the people in the Czech Republic going to uh, Prague to demand that their government resign uh, by three weeks, by the way. Uh, well, you know, certainly uh, we should be demand making those demands, but I would say anywhere other than D.C. You know, you don't have to go to D.C. to do that. If you go to D.C., they will set you up. Uh, but, yeah, have rallies, places, and, um, you know, uh, express your anger with what they're doing to us. But again, if you want to, even if you want to protest federal policy, don't do it in Washington. I would not suggest anybody go to Washington. I was telling people to stay away for January 6th. I knew that they were going to use that. And boy, we've seen that in spades now. And so uh, don't allow them uh, to, uh, to set you up that way. If you want to do a protest of Washington, do it on your own turf, not on theirs. Uh, let's take a look at the pharmacia. A vaccine impact has a story. The full list of tragic deaths and injuries are listed there, but they have an article where they're talking specifically about this rollout to children. The CDC has revealed that at least 56,265 children between the ages of zero and 17 have suffered an injury due to the COVID vaccination as of August the 26th. Think about that. Again, how unconscionable is this? How could this be? You know, how could you have a product allowed to continue to uh, circulate this when you know that this is only a fraction of what is happening? But even if it were 100%, 56,265 injured children, that's not enough to stop these products? Nobody believes that there's a pandemic anymore. Even the people who believed that there was a pandemic don't see a pandemic anymore. How is this justified that this continues to children? Uh, the Janssen vaccine is responsible for 1,355 of these injuries. The Moderna vaccine, uh, the Jan Janssen is the Johnson & Johnson. The Moderna vaccine responsible for 10,355 injuries and the Pfizer vaccine for 44,472 injuries. And then when we talk about those are injuries, let's talk about deaths. The Pfizer jab has killed or permanently disabled 1,055 children. The Moderna jab, 110 children. And the Janssen jab, four children. Now, let's just take that smaller figure, four. We've seen, and just recently, we saw a recall of a crib rocker. You had one child severely injured and another one killed because of some stuff that got wrapped around, choked them, uh, and this thing. Um, two children, one dead, one had a close brush with it. Here's um, four children killed and disabled just from the Janssen jab, more than a thousand from the Pfizer jab, nothing, no response. Media doesn't talk about it. You know, you talk about it, you get censored, right? So don't talk about it. This is disgusting. It's beyond disgusting. The Pfizer vaccine has killed 139 children. The Moderna vaccine has killed 20, according to their reports. And that's just a small, uh, fraction of, 
what has happened. And there's more that will happen with this. A former soccer star wants to know why young athletes are dying and nobody seems to notice. We're noticing. We're noticing. But they're doing a very good job of silencing those of us who do notice. And they're doing a very good job of gaslighting the rest of the country that just follows their news. A former English soccer star lamented last week that no one is paying attention to the sudden rise in deaths of athletes that's taken place since the introduction of the COVID shots. Speaking last Thursday to Mark Stein for GB News, Mark Stein is doing stellar work. I really appreciate somebody who puts their career on the line as he has. Uh, this is not cutting him any favor with the uh, political establishment at Fox or in America. This is putting a big black mark on his career. Uh, and um, uh, but he is, and and in Great Britain, they have Ofcom, which sets broadcast standards. They are furious with him, and um, and he couches, um, but he continues on with these reports in very sarcastic language, you know. There's nothing to see here, but, you know, and I'm sure there's nothing to see here, but. And so he had an interview with a former English soccer star, Matt Letissier, I guess is how you pronounce his name, uh, stated the lack of investigation of the sudden increase of deaths of young athletes is a scandal. And so is what he called a normalization of it in the mainstream media. Uh, the soccer player told Mark Stein, I've seen so many people. So many incidents of young, fit, healthy sports people collapsing on the field of play. And it's just not normal. And yet the media seems to be normalizing it. And nobody seems to be paying any attention whatsoever to this huge rise that has gone on. And for the authorities in charge of these sports to not notice it, to not call for an investigation, I think is absolutely scandalous, he said. And uh, this report from LifeSite News points out that last November, after John Fleck, an English soccer player, collapsed in a, at a match, Trevor Sinclair, a former English soccer star and sports pundit, was cut off on a radio broadcast for saying that people were asking if Fleck's illness could be linked to the jab. And so this soccer player that Mark Stein is talking to uh, called for an investigation to the role the vaccines play in the sudden rise in heart attacks and illnesses at matches on Twitter uh, after this collapse. And he asked again in last December if there was any connection between the COVID shots and the sudden illness in athletes after three more athletes suffered illness during matches. Uh, these are people we all know. I mean, and to me, this is the amazing thing. You know, you got a lot of people who are not politically aware and they don't spend any time following politics, you know, but they just spend a lot of time following sports and they know all the stats right? Uh, they know how many goals and, uh, runs and this and that, that everybody has touchdowns that everybody has. They know the, the, the batting averages and the completion percentages and everything. Don't they know that this is not normal to see their athletes that they worship and idolize on the field, to see them, uh, falling down with heart attacks? Uh, can they not put two and two together? And get five? Well, that's what they are doing. They're getting two and two together and putting down five. These are people who, again, you know, they're not interested in politics. Well, guess what? Politics is interested in you. 
And if you can't figure out after watching and, and making this a centerpiece of your life and looking at all these statistics, if you can't see this one vital statistic that you've got athletes dropping dead uh, as they're playing or having heart attacks, it's just amazing to me. They can't see that. You don't need how the media can't hide that from you. Uh, you know the history. Recent autopsy data from multiple studies demonstrated the link between myocarditis and the jabs. A CDC study published in February by the Journal of the American Medical Association found the risk of myocarditis in male youth, especially males, was 133 times greater after taking the shot. And yet, still, you know, people look at it and uh, it's still being mandated in a lot of different uh, settings. And, um, they, they will not relent. Serious vaccine side effects are being covered up by the Israeli government, shows a leaked video. On August the 2nd, Israeli Ministry of Health released a report on adverse events reported following vaccination uh, from December 2021 to May of 2022. But the Israeli Ministry of Health subsequently misrepresented the finding, stating that no new adverse events were found that there was no new signal and the events were not necessarily caused by the vaccine, even though researchers themselves said exactly the opposite. The Israeli Ministry of Health artificially minimized the extent of reporting by comparing the number of reports submitted during that period to a much larger number of vaccine doses administered over a longer period of time and a much larger population than the one reporting. The Israeli Ministry of Health sat on these results for nearly two months and did not disclose them to the expert committees that met in late June to decide on recommending the vaccine for children under five. This is why I say, all these people say, well, you know, there's a lot of, mis there, there's a lot of incompetence here. There's a lot of incompetence in the Trump administration. There's a lot of incompetence in the Biden administration. No, they know exactly what they're doing. When you manipulate the data this way, you know exactly what you're doing. In the same way that when we covered this uh, climate MacGuffin for years, these people want to hide the information from you. Say, I'm sorry, you can't see my data. You'll have to be content with my conclusions, but you can't see the data. And this is a war of all these governments against their own people. This is the Israeli government against the Israeli people. Uh, and then in the UK, no evidence to back an autumn COVID-19 booster in the UK, says a UK mathematician. I've looked at the numbers there. They don't add up, right? There's no reason to take it. And um, uh, the person who was doing it uh, pointed out, but I have seen, for example, a lot of correlation to shingles as just one example, said the mathematician. So there is a fairly good circumstantial evidence, and some studies suggest people are at high risk of shingles after they've been vaccinated. And there's also, quote, biological reasons why that may be in terms of immune system being given a knock at the time of the vaccination. But it's difficult to compare whether shingles actually become, became more common after the introduction of the vaccines as the pre-vaccination data may have been deflated because people were not attending their GPs at a normal rate during lockdowns. Well, I mean, the simple fact of the matter is, is that they have manipulated the data in the Defense Department's database, probably the gold standard because this is part of their military response, constantly monitoring for a biological or chemical attack. And when it was pointed out what was happening, they just went back and changed all the data for the previous five years. They'd looked at what had happened in the 
uh, the one year of the vaccine rollout and compared it to the previous five. And they said, okay, we'll just change the previous five. They got to be all wrong. But this one's okay. Just change the previous five. Uh, the mathematician said it'll probably take, that it will take a long time to properly measure risks. Yeah, that's why we would do phase one, two, and three studies. That's why it would take 10 years before you'd roll out one of these things. And it's why Fauci and these other people were openly conspiring about how they were going to get rid of that. Yeah, it takes a while to see what's going on with this stuff. And even after you see what is happening, you may or may not understand the mechanism. It's not important. If you see that people are being injured, you got to stop it. Um, I appreciate the fact that uh, uh, Brian at Vaccine Impact I uh, put the uh, the clip that I did last week talking about the um, uh, what is going on with uh, Alex and with uh, mainstream media. It's not just Alex, of course. It's it's Fox News. It's Wayne Allen Root. It's all these people who are trying to distance Trump from this depopulation shot because they want to distance themselves, and they're trying to find a way to gently. Uh, distance themselves from Trump without offending the people that they have come to rely on, uh, the uh, Trump cult that they have created by telling people it was 40 chess and the rest of the stuff. And so uh, Brian Shalhavi at um, Vaccine Impact uh, put up both the clip that I did not play of Alex speaking. I just read you the transcript because, frankly, I've heard the shtick so many times I am beyond sick of hearing it. I've heard all of the spin, all of this stuff on air, and I've seen what he does privately. So I didn't want to play that. I just got the transcript and I played it for you. But he said, here, you know, here's the two, here's what Alex said. And here's what uh, David said. He said, Alex Jones recently issued an ultimatum to Trump to come forward and admit that he was fooled, quote unquote, by those who helped him develop and roll out the COVID vaccines. And uh, he said in a recent broadcast by Alex Jones on InfoWars, Alex Jones revealed that tr what Trump's uh, answer to him was, basically saying that Trump was not backing down from his position on the vaccines, but was proud of his accomplishments and took full credit for them. Alex Jones stated that he still supported Trump on many issues, but would not support the candidates who continue participating and promoting the COVID vaccines that are killing children. So he said, I'm embedding a video of Jones's comments below. One thing that Jones did say, was uh, I'm going to give you till September 23rd uh, to change, you know, before I stop supporting you. Uh, give you another month about that. After he's already given him over 900 days. I said, uh, so is that September 23rd of 2020? Because we knew at that point in time what was going on. Uh, we knew it well before that. We knew it when people were suffering with a lockdown, but we also knew that they were getting very close to rolling this out, that Trump was putting all kinds of pressure on everybody to skip all the testing and the rest of the stuff, get it out for my political benefit so I can claim credit. And that was September of 2020. Then September 2021 came along, and of course, Biden was going to be mandating it for everybody. They pretended that they had approved it, but they hadn't. They approved something that was legally distinct according to the FDA. They approved Corminati, not the Pfizer BioNTech, but on the basis of that lie, they were going to mandate it for everybody and did mandate it. And still at that point in time, you know, can't criticize Trump for that because Trump was still applauding it. 
well, I wouldn't mandate it, but you know, it's so good. You ought to get it. It's the best thing's ever been. I mean, if it's the best thing that anybody's ever done, why wouldn't you want to get it? And so now we've got another 30 days that we'll wait. Well, just give him an even thousand days, Alex. How about that? After a thousand days, maybe you can decide that you're going to oppose what you opposed for decades. And then when it came about, you were there as the implant, the controller to tell everybody, huh, no, this isn't what I was warning you about. It's okay because Trump's there. So anyway, he says, so I'm also embedding a video of David Knight, who was fired by Alex and his show on InfoWars canceled December of 2020 because of his comments against Trump's actions during the COVID pandemic all the way through it. And in particular, promoting the deadly COVID shots. These are videos of two men who both believe the COVID vaccines are evil. We know, and we knew, and we knew a thousand days ago. Uh, but that's where their similarities end. I encourage everybody to watch both clips. And then he um, puts his opinion. He says, uh, first, he doesn't believe that Trump was fooled by anyone. I do not believe that Trump made a personal decision that he could now uh, just reverse and admit that he was wrong. I believe he was following orders and that he can't speak out against the vaccines because it'll destroy him politically or worse. Second, I do not believe the American people elect their president. That's been the case for a very long time. Election fraud and rigging came to the forefront in the 2020 elections, but it's foolish to think that this started in 2020. And it starts, I'll say this, it starts in every election with who's on the ballot. I've said that many times. And who's in the debates. And he says, third, I think the leaders of the Republican Party are kind of testing the waters right now with Trump's popularity and the media who have support. I mean, you've got people like Mark Levin still 100% behind him, will not criticize the vaccine. Uh, and I, is Mark Levin that clueless or has he decided that he will sell you out? What is going on with him? Uh, but, uh, there's a lot of testing of the water, a lot of rats who are trying to jump ship, but then they realize if I just completely reject Trump and if I call him out for what he is, and if I pose him to his face on these vaccines and, you know, people are going to, I've got to prepare people. I've got to give them some time. That's what this is about. This isn't about giving Trump time. He just said, Trump said he's not ever going to change. So why would you give him some time? Because he's not talking to Trump. He's talking to his MAGA audience and he's trying to bring them along with him gradually because he doesn't want to lose his paying base. These people that he led to the slaughter and fleeced while he was, taking them on January the 6th. Uh, so yeah, it's the leaders of the Republican party are trying to test the waters with this as well. Uh, Walensky is saying, I don't want to revisit the question of lockdowns that predated me. See, everybody is trying to, I know nothing. I have nothing to do with any of this. I just got to say, you know, I, I'm just sick and tired of the theatrics of people who pretend to be commenting on serious stuff in the news. If you're going to do a shtick, do a shtick. But I think this story about Gavin McGinnis is right at the center of this kind of, this kind of uh, play acting that Alex does all the time. Far-right comedian is the Daily Dot uh, headline. Far-right comedian fumes after jealous, bitter, I won't say the word, um, person, uh, they use a pejorative term on, uh, reveals that Gavin McGinnis' arrest was staged. Gavin McGinnis was doing uh, a, and this is an article by Mikhail Thalen, who used to work at InfoWars, 
now works at the Daily Dot. Um, he was doing his program, and then he's like, what, what? Pretends he's talking to somebody off camera. And he stands up, I'm in the middle of the show, can't this wait? And, and then he you know, eventually walks off, and the mic just keeps going for about another half hour. And so um, the alleged arrest last week of Proud Boys founder Gavin McGinnis appears to have been nothing more than a stage prank. Uh, McGinnis was seen walking off the screen during a live broadcast after law enforcement allegedly took him into custody for questioning. Associates of McGinnis, such as comedian Josh Denny, claimed later in the day that the far-right figure was rotting away in jail for daring to question authority. Just got off the phone with our people, Denny, Josh Denny said, it's not a bit. Gavin was against going to January the 6th. He was against Charlottesville. And he told Proud Boys that they were out of the club if they went. But now he's rotting away in jail because he dared to question authority. Police in New York, where he lives and works, denied taking him into custody. No announcements were made by federal law enforcement either. Court records failed to show that McGinnis had been charged. So the following Monday, after arrival of McGinnis said that the entire incident had been staged, Owen Benjamin uh, released what he claimed were screenshots of text messages from McGinnis admitting that the so-called raid was merely a prank. And so you have these, uh, and this is at the top, uh, Travis, they've got it at the very top of the article. You can see it here. Yeah. Oh, so what you see here is from Gavin. He says to whoever he's talking to, allegedly, this is supposed to be screenshots. Prank, don't tell. The person replies and says, you're going to reveal it's a prank? Because I have friends writing blogs about it. Gavin, never. The friend. So you're just going to pretend the FBI raided your studio? Tons of people are freaking me out, are texting me, freaking me out. He says, I never said they did. And he said, well, well, that's true. That's true. Uh, so in a lengthy statement, Owen Benjamin said the prank was nothing more than, quote, an attention grift, unquote. Uh, Denny, the associate of McGinnis, also appeared to insinuate that the purported rest had been fabricated. In a Twitter thread, Denny, without mentioning Benjamin by name, bemoaned any comedian that, quote, puts pride and principle over creativity, innovation, and humor. This is InfoWars, the way they act. You don't put principle over the grift, right? never do that. This is what we saw with the Steve Pachinik stuff. It's what I saw personally. The worst example of it. Uh, we'd seen this type of thing and said, you know, come on, you know, you got to come out. Well, you know, kind of navigate it back and forth. But with that, it was straight on. Anyway, uh, and any comedian that tanks another guy's bit before it's finished is just a jealous, bitter four-letter word. Yeah. And later tweet, Josh Denny sarcastically told his followers to address all questions regarding the bit to Benjamin, who he sarcastically claimed had taken it upon himself to become Gavin's publicist. Despite the apparent revelation, McGinnis has still declined to publicly comment on the matter. All signs point toward a poorly executed prank on behalf of Gavin McGinnis. And I say this, and I don't know any of these people. Uh, I've interviewed Gavin McGinnis once when he came in the studio. Um, but I don't know him. 
I don't know Josh Denny. I don't know Owen Benjamin. I don't have a dog in this fight personally. The point of this is not to say this person's good or bad or anything. The point of this is to show how these people will play you. The point of this is to show they don't care about principle. They don't care about the truth. And you need to be aware of that because we're in a very dangerous time. Things are changing very, very rapidly. Uh, we're in a period of time that uh, the establishment understands, and they're using that to... The economy is crazy right now. All-time high inflation, bearish stock market, rising home prices and interest rates. How do you figure it all out? Make your money go further and work harder with a certified financial planner professional from Facet Wealth. Financial planning used to focus on retirement, but with Facet, a dedicated expert guides you through every financial decision. Facet advisors are certified financial planner professionals and fiduciaries. That's just a fancy way to say they have the best training, and they're legally bound to do what's in your best interest. This isn't just about investments. You get an entire team of experts within insurance, taxes, estate planning, and budgeting to make complex financial decisions easy. Facet has a simple flat fee, no hidden charges, and with nothing to sell, there are no commissions. Visit tryfacetwealth.com for two months free off your first year of financial planning. That's T-R-Y-F-A-C-E-T wealth.com. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Well, the nth degree. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. i got a lot of stuff here I want to cover before the program is out. We've got about another 20 minutes. So stay with me. We will be right back. Using free speech to free minds. It's the David Knight Show. All right. Well, we have um, at the Venice Film Festival, let's talk a little bit about culture and family and uh, the uh, things that are really on the line here. The Venice Film Festival, uh, they had uh, it's a film called Bones and All. It is a bisexual cannibal film. And after this piece of filth and depravity and degeneracy, after it aired, it got an eight-and-a-half-minute standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival. This is everything you need to know about sick, demonic Hollywood. This is this director and the star's second uh, bite of the apple, shall we say, in terms of cannibal films. Uh, they had a previous one called Call Me By Your Name. Same director. Uh, this, uh, this actor, Timothy uh, Chalamet, uh, is how you pronounce his name, perhaps. I don't know. Don't know. Don't care. I won't be watching any of his films. In uh, that first one, it also had Army Hammer. Now, Army Hammer is, uh, there's a documentary that has come out about the Hammer family. Uh, his aunt, I believe, is uh, their blowing the whistle on a lot of stuff, but a lot of people have blown the whistle on Little Army, whose great-grandfather 
Armin Hammer was a, um, a very, very wealthy, powerful billionaire uh, when I was young. And he was a big supporter of the communists. He got a lot of, um, uh, and very, very big supporter of not just the Russian communists, but the Communist Party in America. And he was, um, you know, all, all, people typically think that billionaires and people who are very successful in business, well, they could never be communists. No, many of them are. And uh, as, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the people who gave Lenin a start, you know, the bankers who put him on the train. But um, when you look at Army Hammer, he was in this previous film that had this director uh, and this star in it. Uh, he's not in this film, and he may not be in too many more films because uh, a lot of women blew the whistle on him, saying in real life, um, he seems like he once, well, he got into some very abusive, physically abusive relationships with him and um, had made uh, statements indicating uh, cannibalistic desires, even though this is just a movie, right? has nothing to do with real life. Let me tell you, if you've got a director who keeps doing movie after movie after movie of cannibalism, do you think he's got a problem with it? <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, the previous one, Call Me By Your Name, uh, was um, uh, gruesome and uh, gory as well. Uh, this one, uh, Bones and All, even more so. And Hollywood... Uh, Loves it. The stars, the critics, everybody. And contrast this now with an article about what is happening in Russia. Because Russians have now been blacklisted from getting Hollywood movies. <laughs> Don't throw me into that briar patch. Uh, yeah, that's basically, it's not a bad thing for them. Uh, most Russians haven't seen the biggest film of 2022. Uh, the new Top Gun or the Elvis biopic, or the most recent installments of the Marvel uh, universe. Uh, they've never had the chance to take part in the bizarre going to see the new minions in a suit trend. Uh, the cutoff of the Russian market happened so quickly with publishers pulling the plug on their projects overnight. These companies threw away all the work uh, that they had, that they and their contractors had already done on these releases. Uh, translations had already been made into Russian, I think, but they just went cold turkey, stopped everything. And so did we. It wasn't an outside force that did it to us. My family stopped this stuff a long time ago. Since March, most movie theaters have hardly seen any business, but it's not bad, though. In Moscow, uh, the movie theaters, for example, subsidized by the city to screen Russian-made movies, you have uh, Soviet classics returning to the big screen in some theaters. Some suggested including Indian and Korean productions, given their popularity in the past and today. But this is yet to produce any meaningful projects or engagement. The theaters still have very little to offer their viewers, but they're still in business because, you know, they're being supported by the state. But they said um, it's kind of interesting to see that um, there was an almost sold-out screening in the Moscow Planetarium about how the universe can be seen in UV or infrared light. And uh, it turned into a showing on a regular basis, said uh, just like any movie theater. And they said in this sudden detox from Western entertainment, they said, you know, people are finding all types of things to do. Perhaps they're even reading books or something. The sudden detox from Western entertainment, 
which had basically taken over the space, feels like a much-needed, much-deserved break. So I guess they're not going to be seeing that uh, latest cannibal bisexual film either, right? Yeah. Uh, so jokes have been made uh, that uh, by taking away the superhero movies and the fast food chains, the West is only making Russians more cultured and educated. And there may just end up being some truth to it. Mind you, there's nothing wrong with stuffing your face with popcorn while watching a movie with clear moral instructions on which character is good or bad and where you should feel proud or feel sad. This is what has happened to entertainment. Uh, it used to be simply escapism, but now it is a moral lecture about people who, from people who have no morals. Uh, so uh, it's nice to see that for once, the scales are not so one-sided that people are finding other ways to spend their evening and enjoy something that is deeper. And when we look at the entire in industry of entertainment, uh, this story that came out over the weekend, a country singer, uh, Jason Aldean, I don't follow country music that closely or at all, actually, uh, was dropped by a longtime PR firm over his wife's gender comments. So she um, said things like, well, I'm, I'm very glad that my parents didn't mutilate me when I went through a tomboy stage and other things like that. And for those sins, his uh, business people, even though he's in the country western uh, business, they dropped him. Because you see, the Hollywood perversion has penetrated everything, everywhere, everywhere, even um, uh, country uh, music. Which brings us to this, uh, this article that I've had for a while that I wanted to talk about. I didn't uh, get to it last week. Uh, don't let the world disciple your children. Don't let the world disciple your children. And how does that work out? Well, it works out, obviously, with uh, entertainment. Boy, you can't flip on the switch and watch innocent entertainment without getting a dose of their deliberate moral, or should say immoral, instruction. But, of course, it's also uh, everything. You know, the schools, even the phones. As they point out on this article from uh, WNG.org, Christian parents uh, need to say no to social media and to smartphones, as well as to Disney and to uh, other entertainment. Say no to the government schools, even if they're private schools that are running the government curriculum. And this isn't about just removing things, right? Uh, you can't just take things away from your life or from kids' life. You have to find something else to do. So instead of going to a movie uh, about transsexual superheroes, go to the planetarium. It's actually a lot more interesting <laughs> what God has done with the planets than what Disney has done with the Marvel universe. Take a look at the real universe out there. Uh, or you could set up your own schools. Here's a good example. Somebody weathering this. And again, this is um, uh, from uh, a week and a half ago. Christian school refuses to change long held policy, excluding sexual behavior, sexual behavior of any kind is off limits in this Christian school for their underage kids. Because you know what? Um, that's statutory rape, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual. And they took a lot of heat for this. And uh, they said, uh, we don't care. 
We don't care. This is who we are. This is what we believe. This is where we will take our stand. God help us. We're not going to abandon this policy. God has spoken on these issues, said the uh, leader of the school, private Christian school in Florida, not backing down from a long-held policy that students not participate in sexual behavior outside of marriage, despite alleged death threats against the school leaders and accusations that the school is targeting gay and transgender students. Because, you know, hey, if it is underage and if it's uh, statutory rape, it doesn't matter if it's gay and transgender, right? You just all the rules are removed because that trumps everything. He said, if I back down from something like this, I'm abandoning what God has said is the truth. I kind of rack my brain to, to think, how is this hard for people to understand? This is what God said. This is one of the many reasons we have a Christian school, and we're not going to abandon this policy. God has spoken on these issues. This is Grace Christian School, and um, it became national news uh, because uh, some people discovered this email that was, um, and that was sent to those in the school earlier in the summer, highlighting that students will only be identified by their biological sex and that students who are found participating in gay or transgender lifestyles will be asked to leave the school immediately. Uh, The email said, we believe that God created mankind in his image, male and female, sexually different, but with equal dignity. Therefore, one's biological sex must be affirmed and no attempts should be made to physically change, alter, or disagree with one's biological gender, including, but not limited to, elective sex reassignment, transvestite, transgender, or non-binary gender fluid acts of conduct. Students in school will be referred to by the gender on their birth certificate and will be referenced in name in the same fashion. He says, it's funny for us to be painted as hateful. We have fielded hundreds, probably thousands of phone calls over the weekend with just some of the most outrageous things, people threatening to burn my house down, threatening to kill my family. He said he and his family have uh, faced death threats uh, following this, but they've uh, responded with, beefed up security at the school. He said people across the country have also wholeheartedly stood behind the policy with one man even donating $5,000 to the school with a note telling school leaders to stay strong and keep the faith. You see, if these people who are so upset about this don't like the policy, they don't have to go to that school. But they don't want to tolerate any diversity, you see. Uh, That's the real lesson here. He said, we're not a hateful group of people. We don't hate students who are of a particular persuasion or religion because it has become a religion. He said, it's kind of been beyond me. This is blown up into what it is. Like you're shocked that a Christian school has this policy. It's just showing where our country is at the moment. They either don't understand God or they're just so rejecting of him that they want to fight on every level about everything that he says. Maybe God has picked us for this particular time just to encourage like-minded people that, hey, there are things worth standing up for, and we're going to do that. Which brings us to this uh, article from Noah Wall, uh, Real Clear Education. It says, why fathers are essential to educating children. Uh, Noah writes, uh, 
In recent years, America has seen parents fighting back against indoctrination of their children in public schools. Teachers' unions, long-standing monopolization of educational policy looks like it could finally be coming to an end. With the midterms approaching, parental choice movement has reason to feel encouraged. But, but, raising our voices and electing the right leaders are only parts of the solution. Contrary to what many on the left claim, parents must play the central role in educating our children. Uh, you cannot have the village raise your children. You cannot. That is a lie straight from the pits of Hillary Clinton and others uh, working through her. The recent progress we've witnessed is the start of a movement not only to keep political ideology out of the classrooms, but also to increase parental involvement in the education of the next generation. Mothers and fathers must lead this effort. Let me disagree with this point here. Uh, you can't keep political ideology out of education and have an education. As I've pointed out many times, R.L. Dabney saw this. He said, you can't keep morals, you can't keep, you can't keep religion, and of course that means politics because politics is just an expression of what your religion and your morals are. You can't keep that out of, a, out of education. He says, as a matter of fact, we're the first civilization beginning in the late 1800s when he was writing about 150 years ago. He said, this is a new notion that we can somehow have an education that is completely devoid of uh, any moral instruction or in that case, also political instruction. It has to be there, or it's not education. It might, be voc uh, it might be some kind of vocational training, but it's not education. The educated person has a moral foundation, and we can have different uh, understandings of uh, different religions and different moral foundations, but you can't have an education without that. What you're seeing right now is your kids being educated, and our kids in this, all this uh, society, being educated in a religion that is different from ours and completely intolerant of ours. Uh, but it is a religious education nevertheless. If it is secular humanism, you're being inculcated, your kids are being inculcated with the doctrines and the ideas of the Huxleys and others. It is not uncommon for fathers to feel like they don't have a defined role to play in the education of their children. Even when fathers are involved, they often play second fiddle to the mothers when it comes to many aspects of parenting, especially education. After all, if we look at the parent-led education reform groups that exist today, we are more likely to see a mother or a mother-grandmother-led coalition than we are to see a father or grandfather-led group. This needs to change. We must encourage fathers not only to get involved, but also to become leaders and their children's lives when it comes to education. To break this cycle, we must make a concerted effort to encourage fathers to participate in the education of kids. And I will say that unless and until that happens, there will not be a change. It'll be, it is a, it is a, uh, a, a outward sign of God working in the lives of individuals and in in family lives in our society when the father's hearts are turned to their children. That's a work of God. But until and unless we see that happening, there isn't anything that's going to be changing with this. We're just going to be rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic here. 
A newspaper in a high school in Nebraska has been shut down after students published LGBT pieces. Again, is this censorship? Well, you know, Reason is very upset about that. They think this is censorship. Well, here's the thing, Reason. You know, kids are not adults. And we start treating kids like adults. You typically treat adults as children, and you typically cut off the parents. It's always elevating the kids above or equal to uh, the parents that is the first step in severing parental rights. And so when you go to a school, and this is one of the reasons why parents should be involved in school decisions if they're going to put the kids in a school, is because the school has the authority to set these different parameters. And uh, there are certain things, uh, whether it's sexual things or other things, that the school is not going to tolerate. And that is the way that it should be. Uh, as Reason says, so this is clearly an attempt by the administration to tamp down on opinions that adults don't like. Well, yeah, that's exactly it, Reason. <laughs> that's the way the world is supposed to work. You're supposed to have the adults in charge, not the kids in a school. You're not supposed to let the uh, <clears throat> inmates run the asylum. Uh, but um, <clears throat> as you um, look at what uh, Biden is doing, it is exactly the opposite. Again, using Title IX funding to attack parents and to carve the children away. Uh, new rules from the Department of Education, 700 pages <clears throat> about um, uh, how they are going to remove parental rights. Minors who decide to transition at school will be supported by the schools, led into the process of social transition, including using preferred pronouns and all the rest of the stuff without the consent of the parents. And if the schools don't consent to Biden's orders, they'll be punished by having funds removed. This is why I say all of this, this is the way that government operates. And if you continue the funding, that means that you approve of the way the schools are conducting the business. They created, and that is true of every aspect. That's why it was true of lockdown. It's true of everything else that happened under Trump. He approved of it. He kept the money going. A child protective worker made sexual advances towards parents under investigation. A lawsuit filed uh, shows that this uh, individual in Colorado had uh, been accused of making sexual advances towards the parents. And as a result of their rejection of this, then they weaponized uh, the CPS services against these people. Police charged that uh, they falsely made a, uh, a call of child abuse to the hotline, an anonymous complaint that saw a councilwoman, Danielle Jurinsky, uh, identified as inappropriately touching her two-year-old son. And the reason that this was done was because uh, she had gone on a talk show and attacked the police chief who was in a lesbian relationship with the CPS uh, individual. I mean, this is when we have no checks and balances on people in office. This is what we're worried about with the IRS and other things. When there is no rule of law, then the corruption is rampant to this type of thing and to every other type of abuse. That's it for the program. Thank you for joining us.
common man. They created common core to dumb down our children. They created common past to track and control us. Their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. thedavidnightshow.com Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. If I had to pick between a sweet and savory bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or a toasty bacon, egg, and cheese bagel, let's just say I'm getting both. Now at McDonald's, buy one breakfast sandwich and get another for just a dollar. Try a delicious bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles with a perfect bacon, egg, and cheese bagel, a classic sizzling sausage McMuffin with egg, or a warm and buttery bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Treat yourself to the breakfast you deserve, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Valid for item of equal or lesser value.